told you what to know. squares regardless of what time zone you're in welcome to another exciting episode of square waves fm today we're on episode number 37 Woo! Whoa. and we'll be discussing abandoned game ideas because in a pre in a previous episode we've covered hobby game uh hobby game development where we actually talk about games we've made but today we're going to talk about games that, you know, we've imagined making, but, you know, never got around to making because we're a bunch of lazy procrastinators who would rather think about um, the stuff rather than making it happen. Oh, it's so easy to think yourself. about ideas. Right. You're, you're more prolific than any of us at game making, our beloved guests. Mm -hmm. Why don't I've you got go? Two under my belt. No, three. Yeah, that's a, that's really prolific. Yeah, my 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 comment stands then. <laughs> why don't you uh, Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Oh, yeah, we have a guest. I forgot about him. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was just talking. Hi. Oh, of course. I'm, hi, I'm the Space Quest Historian. Uh, or, or Trolls, whatever you want. Trolls of Dungeon! Uh, I'm, I'm Mr. Jerkface. It's nice to be on your show. Mr. Jerkface. Um, so jerky, they call you Mister. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, gotta have decorum. Um, yes. Welcome I mean, back, I, I even refer to, uh, to Adolf Hitler as Mr. Hitler on our own show. So, <laughs> you know, I'm all about the politeness. That's that's very uh, that's very congenial. I'm not sure there's, anything, there's ever yes. been anything polite on this show. Yeah, I know. someday we'll have something polite on this show. Well, if it's got to be anyone, it should be it should be trolls. <laughs> I'll try to keep this polite. Uh, this is uh, after all my redemption episodes. Uh, it really really hurts to listen to the previous episode I did with uh, with Brian here because I was honestly drunk off my ass and was swearing and shouting and uh, not making a whole lot of sense. So uh, this is. I'm, I've got, and I've got, uh, I cope he's with He's coming me. on hungover, as is redemption. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> well, I didn't say, I, I didn't say I'd gotten teetotal or anything. Uh, I was <laughs> having a wonderful beer last night, uh, but I've uh, kept sober throughout the day and I'm going to stay sober for the next, uh, I don't know how long. I'm, I'm counting on like three hours or something. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> well, we're very glad to have you back on the show as always. And I, I hardly remember our last show is. Well, yeah, neither do I. Slobbering guy. Oh, hearty heart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show again. I dearly love the uh, uh, show, and um, I'm always happy to uh, be part of it. What? See, I'm very good with English. Yes. Uh, I was just saying that because of because of my hungover state, I'm having trouble stringing together sentences. So I'm not sure I'm going to be making uh, any more sense than I was the last time, but um, I will be doing my very best. Good stuff. Well, hashtag second language. <laughs> no, no. See, if you start speaking in hashtags, then that's where I draw the line. <laughs> you can be a you can be a repulsive, slovenly, drunken fool, but if you start quoting hashtags, then uh, that's where we're going to cut you off. Hashtag lecture. <laughs> hashtag add a pony. Okay. <laughs> anyway. I I yeah, let's not be adding any ponies today. Thank you very much. There will be ponies. Ah, oh, man. Every, every game idea, every game idea I'm going to talk about, there's a pony involved. Um, mm -hmm. spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of ponies and horses, Brian likes to call uh, the quinoa that I serve uh, horse sand. <laughs> oh, well, you guys were talking about IKEA and their horse uh, lasagnas, weren't you? Uh, we were. 
That was yeah. a while ago, weren't we? I forgot yeah. about that. It's actually true. Uh, they did have, uh, and they, they went to court for it and everything. They put oh, fucking yeah, horse I know. I, in Little Sons. Yeah. I tried to tell him this, and he's like, he didn't want to hear about it. So every time he puts horse on my grocery list, I'm like, you want me to go to Ikea? Yeah, see, <laughs> we, we use um, Microsoft OneNote to uh, collaboratively write our... Uh, our shopping lists because we can type it up on our computer and put a little checkbox beside each thing and then check it on our phone. Mm -hmm. So I like to occasionally sneak horse on the list. <laughs> I use Google keep, uh, which also works on the phone and such. Very nice. Uh, but uh, I, I did want to add to the horse uh, story by saying that uh, there's a Danish company. I don't know if they're actually Danish, but uh, you know, um, those microwave lasagnas that you buy in the um, um, yeah, grocery stores and such. Sure. Um, there's a, I don't, again, I don't know if they're a Danish company, but they're called Fintus which is a very weird name. Um, and they also they, they make these very, very cheap uh, microwave lasagnas. And they also went to court for putting horse meat in their lasagna. So, and, and I dearly love those little microwave lasagna bits because uh, I know, you know, mystery meat and all that, but it's still fucking tasty. Uh, so whenever I, you know, put that on my shopping list in Google Keep, I always just write horse lasagna. And every, everyone knows what that means. It means the bastard's drunk again. <laughs> Yummy. I love those microwave lasagnas too. It's been too And you're long. not allowed having any. And apparently I'm not allowed having any. Why not? I'm trying to be a good boy, so I'm uh I'm working on my diet. Ooh. And apparently I'm the uh, general in charge of this mission. You didn't call you the general, that would be offensive. I called you the warden. <laughs> oh of course. I'm warden, the warden of your heart. I'm the warden <laughs> of my belly at least. <laughs> and heart. And now liver, lungs and testes. Never mind. I think she's more the judge, jury, and executioner <laughs> of my heart. <laughs> That's, That's a good one. I gotta remember that one. There's still a job opening for like my pancreas and liver, so. <laughs> you heard it here first, girls. <laughs> <laughs> the Brian blowout. Everything must go. Yeah, well, one piece is already gone, and I'm currently using it. <laughs> Oh, that's true. Are we a horrible image in my head? <laughs> I was actually yeah. we ha we have a story related to that, don't we? I was wondering whether you're comfortable talking about that situation because I'm we more did some game. Now. You are. We did some game design related to that. We'll keep you all in suspense until we uh, get past our uh, preamble stuff and go to the uh, yeah. Oh, we are in for some horrific uh, stuff. Actually, a, a couple of the game ideas that I have um, will relate to. Um, you know, people blowing up and uh, awful stuff happening. So, um, oh, yeah. that's it. Oh, come on! I've probably written worse fan fiction than that. I don't think you have. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I wrote a whole. Fan, I wrote. A whole, I've written. I have a whole poem dedicated to just medieval torture devices and a whole fanfic, like slash fan fiction. I piece of fanfic I wrote for a friend that uses medieval torture devices as part as a sexual uh, pleasure device. You can't scare me, lady. <laughs> Actually, that was one of the weirdest things I've uh, I've encountered in the uh, you know in the first episode of Open Crowdsource. We had uh, Francisco Gonzalez. Hi, friend. Did I just call him friend? I think I did. Friend. Um, guest, and, and it turns out he's somewhat of an expert on medieval torture devices, and he's such a nice guy. And you just go, it's why? The quiet is that? ones. Yeah, the quiet ones are the first to snap. I guess. I know. The the most awful one I've heard is the the iron chair. You know, they put hot coals under an iron chair and then they force you to sit down on it. That's gotta suck. Ooh, they use that in Roman torture. Um, where is this conversation going? I don't know. It's kind of reminding me of the conversation we had a day or two ago about those Japanese toilets that you can plug in to make the seat warm. Oh, those are oh, so awesome! Seats. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go on record here. If, uh, if if I if I go into a, a, a toilet, uh, if I go into a toilet, that's like a scene from Train Spotting, isn't it? I think it's um, likely. Yeah. And and the seat is warm. I will 
I, if there's no other toilet available, I will squat or I will go in the ladies' room. I do not like warm toilet seats. <laughs> yes, I will go in the ladies' toilet room. You can't stop me. Hey, I got in the men's toilet room because I was because I couldn't hold it. Hey, why discriminate? Exactly. Yeah, a toilet's a fucking toilet. Yeah. Get with it. Plus, I got short hair, and if I wear really baggy clothes, nobody knows the difference. <laughs> Not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Hey, actually, I was told I was going to the wrong bathroom as a woman. I was going into the girls' bathroom, and someone told me I was going into the wrong one. That's not very nice. I will I will confess to have going, uh, gone into handicapped toilets. Um, Same here. Uh, not when there was a line, though. I mean, of course I, not. Not a barbarian or anything. No, yeah. Not when there was someone in the stall, either, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, like, well, there was this one time some dude forgot to lock. Never, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. What are we talking about? What what, what, toilet what, pod, humor? what podcast is this? <laughs> Welcome to the Square Toilet Wave. <laughs> oh, I guess we should move on to the actual pre-show then. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that, huh? Yep. So I, uh I didn't catch that. Oh, we're gonna we're we're gonna pretend that none of this poop talk ever happened. Actually, well, we do a lot of poop talk, don't we? Especially when we had Ben and Kelsey on recently. True. And when we talk about most games, I mean my first thing to do if it's an open world, see if I can use the toilet. Oh, yeah. The first <laughs> thing I do in Fahrenheit, yeah. use the toilet. Forget that there's a crime scene. Use the toilet. <laughs> That's right. Oh, shit. I played, I played a game, uh, a demo of a game called uh, Demetrius. Demetrius, some some French dude, um, wrote me and said, hey, check out my game. I'm kickstarting it right now. So I'm actually plugging his game right now. Please. Um, point, first, first person point and click adventure. It looks really good, like a broken sword kind of uh you know graphic aesthetics to it hmm. um and of course you start out in the guy's sucky. apartment i mean all uh, all adventure games start out in some dude's apartment and you can of course go into his bathroom and you can use the toilet and mercifully the screen cuts to black but uh the sound effects oh god the sound effects <laughs> uh i did a let's play of that uh it's on my youtube channel you should not watch it oh please send me a link and i'll stick it on our show notes yeah uh, it's easy youtube.com slash toadsplymouth oh that's I'm, how you say my name in Danish, by the way. I was about to ask about the last name, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you know what my last name is, dear. I know how to spell it. Now I know how to say it. Huh? How do you say it? I wasn't paying attention. Plymart. Plymart, yeah. Which is interesting. Most people go Plymart in, in English. You know the E and I are not in that configuration? Yeah, there's the whole I before E. Except can, after can, C, except or as a neighboring way. Oh, yeah. and for the longest time, Josh Mandel pronounced my name Trolls. Trolls. <laughs> Trolls. And, I, and I'm such a big fan of his that I didn't have the heart to correct him. <laughs> oh, the A. Did I miss, did they misspell your name at Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercifully, I've never been at a Starbucks. I, I don't drink coffee. I have no reason to go into a Starbucks. And they're not as, you know, prolific. Prevalent. Is that even the word? See, my vocabulary is failing already. They're not as widespread Prevalent. here in Denmark as they are. Um, anywhere else mm. yeah they so, love misspelling both of our names is denmark a coffee drinking nation they're the, they have the highest consumption oh, yeah. capita higher than canada of co coffee or caffeine coffee oh, oh i mean everyone i work with uh, in the uh, you know i work as a um a communications consultant kind of deal I'm, I'm the most boring person ever uh i tell i tell um uh, small businesses that have never seen facebook before how to get on it it's a it's a whirlwind. You tell how to use the Facebook and the Twitter, and how to use the Google. <laughs> Get on the Google. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's my job, and it's it's soul destroying. But um, I, all my colleagues are like the worst coffee addicts. Sorry. It, 
it's apparently it's it's if you work in design and communications, you have to drink coffee. So uh, I get to keep my coke for myself anyway. That's good. Well, that's good. Yes, it is. Ooh, nail file. <laughs> Are you getting distracted there, Sets? No. This is this is like random association in the theater, it's isn't like, it? Diet Coke, nail file. I know, uh, it's like the Inkbot podcast, sort of. She, like, spilled a bit of her monster drink kind of all <laughs> over her mouse pad and is now astounded at the common household items that seem to be within immediate reach. Well, we also have a harmonica. You want me to play the harmonica? Don't play the harmonica. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that one at one episode where you threatened to put on the harmonica as well. Don't do it. Oh, well, <laughs> I'll do it, man. She, she, she's crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy, I'll do it! <laughs> Please don't flail I got an acoustic wildly. guitar here. Uh, let's see who can make the worst cacophony. Oh, sweet. Free I think tip. The, it's me. I think <laughs> I think the prize still goes to uh, Fran for his Ben Chandler sweet stint. Oh, that thing. was great. Oh, yeah. That was phenomenal. I can't believe oh, he I just did it that. like that. That was so great. I know. That he, was great. he can actually play the guitar. He sure can. Mm-hmm. He can play and sing and all that stuff. <laughs> In a fake Australian accent, no less. Yes. <laughs> and no more. <laughs> All right. Okay, I, so we were doing a podcast, I believe. Oh, that that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I um, believe you have some pre-show notes first about uh, NPC Magazine. And... Okay. Thank you for getting us on track, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right, NPC Magazine. I mentioned last week that um, I had posted the scanned version of uh, our second and maybe final, I don't know, printed uh, and mailed zine. Figured the statute of limitations was up, having been a couple of months or so. So oh, and thank you, thank you so much for the printed copy. Oh, you're uh, most and, welcome. And that virus you snuck it, you snuck into the uh, PDF. Uh, I had tons of fun with that, and I hope everyone who downloaded it also did. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Your passwords are accumulating in a text file on my desktop as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> we we have uh, we have old co-host Chris to thank for all of that. He's the one who who uh, did the photocopying and paid for the postage and all that stuff. A very fine human being. We miss you, Chris. Um, we miss you, Chris. We really do. Um, so uh, thanks very much again to Avi Hayun, who let me know that I had forgotten to include a page in uh, my scan of the magazine. So that's now fixed. So if you uh, need to, go ahead and uh, download the, the same file from the same uh, link, and you can get the complete version. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Avi, um, this is the guy who's uh, doing the uh, new podcast on... Um, Correct. On, yeah. Uh, uh, very good thing to do. I applaud you for it. But please put in an, uh, a subscription link somewhere. I mean, my uh, my Podkicker app was uh, you know, spent all of five minutes trying to work out where the XML feed was, and it actually wasn't there. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, some someone someone point him towards Speedburner. That would be awesome. I'll talk to him about it. Yeah, that's something that I had overlooked as well. You'll ne- you'll you're never. Uh... You'll never be finished being astounded with all the different ways that people kind of accumulate their podcasts. I used to manually download them, oh, checking dear. all the time, oh. week and, by week. And, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get on an arrogant high horse or anything. I'm complete shit at that as well. I mean, the first two seasons of Backseat Designers, we didn't even have a working iTunes subscription link or anything. It was just, uh, you know, off uh, feed burner and... Trying to add that to iTunes, just it was a complete nightmare. So now we got Gareth on board, and he just, you know, shrugged his British shoulders like he does, and then just went, <laughs> "It's not that hard, you guys," <laughs> or, or more like, "It's not that hard, you guys." Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of the Republican, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think he said, "Oi, oi, oi, lads." <laughs> he, he's he's rolling his eyes right now, listening to this. I I'm hope sure. so. Yeah. You're you're using a different um, host for your podcast now too, aren't you? Yeah, him. Oh, <laughs> uh, he he graciously because uh, because we we got fed up with Podbean. 
we well, it's it's basically just a WordPress uh, account that has RSS uh, subscription stuff, but uh, they don't have working iTunes subscription. You have to download the Podbean app to listen to the podcasts. It sucks. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, and, and, and they had like a $96 um, USD uh, renewal no. uh, each year, and that's just... That just monster cool. on my uh, mouse. Yes, you did. Sorry, <laughs> wife is just bitching about her... Tinfoil, cucumber, um, pony, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well... Uh, so anyway, so we uh, we uh, gave Podbean the finger, and, uh, and uh, then Gareth uh, graciously decided to put us up, uh, which is going to go swimmingly until we have one of those huge falling outs. And then he takes all <laughs> our shit with him. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Looking forward to that. Make sure you do it on the air, please. <laughs> we are already doing it on Twitter. I believe just yesterday he wrote, fuck you, Fred. Yeah, uh, I saw your... <laughs> I saw the uh, the good relationship between podcasters on here. I think I, I may have facetiously written that he shouldn't go to Adventure X without us because he'd fuck it up like everything else in his life. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> Well, his, his reaction is completely unwarranted anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's a lot of warm and fussy feelings in the uh, OCS community mm-hmm. of three. <laughs> well, we use uh, we use a WordPress site for uh, our page, squarefm.demodulated.com, and we use a free plugin called PowerPress, and that is designed specifically for podcasters. So it, with a little bit of setup work, which kind of confounded me a little bit, it took me a couple of days at least to figure out how to attach it to iTunes, but it automatically puts together a uh, an RSS feed and submits your stuff to iTunes Ooh. as well. So it, it it took a while to set up, but now it's really easy. It, I, every time I post a, a listing on, uh, on the podcast, it uh, publishes the links to both of those sources. So that's handy. Oh, that's awesome. And actually... Uh... What I should have known when we were setting up backseat designers, but didn't, is that if you just if you just build a WordPress site, it is automatically, uh, you know, it automatically has a podcast subscription stuff. If you just put an MP3 in a post on WordPress, you know, a, a, a podcast subscription device, at least an Android, will uh, will look at the RSS feed and go, "Thank you." Oh, that's awesome! I had no idea. Huh. Me neither. I should have looked at it before I ordered the Podbean account, the big account, the big account. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, for, um, and also Gareth had a podcast um, a plugin installed already because apparently he used to do one of those uh, serious, boring podcasts about history and all those things that we never uh, listen to and probably should. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, before you know, before he uh, degenerated into our cohort. Um, yeah, before so, he met those bad influences from Denmark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, and, and, and he was paying for it too, and he's still paying for it, and we're not paying him anything. So that fallout should be just around the corner, guys. Yeah, <laughs> tread lightly around that guy. He's your benefactor. <laughs> Certainly is. That's nice. Oh, he's he's fun. We love you, Gareth. Yeah, kind of. Well, he's a very he's a very smart, witty guy. I enjoy listening to him. He's got a PhD. That's right. He he's a doctor. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Maybe because I've heard him. I've heard him as, uh, as uh, oh shit, I've heard him as uh, Mr. Colin guy on your Space Quest. Oh, it's Pete Tolman. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, he's he's fantastic. <laughs> Haven't seen uh, a Pete Tolman tweet in a while. I'm, I'm he, he's a he's a good guy for game ideas as well, wasn't he? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Uh, he's got a lot of great great ideas. I'm actually quite astounded at at the level of education around the uh, uh, Space Quest community. I mean. Um, Jess Morissette has a PhD in uh, political science. Uh, Gareth has a PhD in history. Fred, I believe, has a PhD in being an asshole. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. 
Jess was a really good guest on your show, I thought. He was very interesting and very funny. Oh, I'm, I, I love the guy. He's my oldest and bestest internet friend. Oh. Uh, he's, he's put up with me through a whole hell of a lot, you know, from being a snot-nosed little kid to a snot-nosed adult. <laughs> he um, called into your Space Quest show once, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. And yeah. uh, I've, yeah, he, he built the first ever Space Quest uh, fan site, Roger Wilco's Virtual Broom Closet, uh-huh. and, will, and will maintain that it is, the first, uh, it is the first fan site for any game ever. Wow. Um, so that's that's a feat. And I sort of, I'm not going to say I helped out building it because I very much did not, but I did uh, used to send him uh, three and a quarter inch floppies in the mail hmm. before I got internet at home, uh, sending him little, stupid little articles, you know, like what a 16 year old kid would write. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I, you know, that's kind of how we met when I was 16 years old. And he's phenomenally funny and we have learned our lesson on OCS we don't we we're not going to book two guests at the same time uh, I mean you guys were part of that lesson um, <laughs> that, that was pure chaos that was pretty that, fun that, yeah that fell into pure chaos and and also uh, having uh, Jess and Serena on together they're both tremendously funny people and none of them got the uh, you know the screen time that they deserved so um, half an hour is a pretty uh, concise podcast yes yeah, it is <laughs> As opposed to what we're doing right now. Yes. The three-hour rumble fest. Quite the ramble antithesis. fest. I don't know. What's the word we were looking for? I don't know. We can do one of the other. Yes. Three-hour tangent fest. <laughs> yeah. You should rename the, the podcast to the three-hour tangent pony show. That's <laughs> I mean. Uh, <laughs> just, we may as well. Sorry? We may as well, huh? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to let you get on with it. Sorry. Sure. Yes. Oh, whatever. What else do we want to talk about? Well, we did. We uh, I finally got I uh, finally got around to doing something I set out to do in the summer. During the I had bought myself Max Payne three when it went on sale at the start of the summer because hey, Steam sale, woo. Woo, that game's on sale I, quite a bit though. Rockstar has Rockstar has. Oh, I need a, I need a good a good one here. You guys help me out. Rockstar has more sales than blank. Um, than a dime store prostitute at. the corner of uh young and king there you go <laughs> you got oh, one I, no, yeah i got a really really terrible one go I'm ahead no no it's it's, it's come on. too terrible no what's the matter okay. what's the matter uh, don't want to outdo me i come on i'm the best you clearly can't beat me come on you, you can take me on come on come on come on, come on. <laughs> rockstar has more sales than america has teen pregnancies <laughs> <laughs> And I was actually going to go for uh, Chinese have abortions, but that one was just too cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you didn't say that one. <laughs> that was the first one I thought of. And then I just, on the cuff, just, uh, can I dial it down just a bit? Oh, I love you guys. <laughs> you do what I can't. <laughs> All right, so go on, my dear. So, I launched Max Paint 3, so I'd watch Ryan play, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll give it a try. I need a new shooter. This one, we and, and for those of you who've... Uh, Remember me vaguely talking about my uh, random categories. This one fell into shoot the humans. <laughs> oh, shoot the I humans. Love your categories, by the way. Shoot the Germans. I want that. <laughs> the only so, thing that stops that is my wife's uh, uh, playlists on her iPhone, which have some of the most horrific names I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, that's right. You told us about that. Other <laughs> terribly foul mouth. <laughs> they're incredibly fama and they're just stream of conscious uh you know just batshit insane words just strung together oh that's uh, great something about retard whore fuck you bitch <laughs> like rancid pengy droppings was uh something i once wrote on a disc i burned for brian to describe his music oh that's right well bianca we, bianca has a bunch of uh, partitions on her 
hard drive. <laughs> so for whatever letter of the hard, whatever letter each partition has been assigned, she just finds some. I go to my, word. I went to my Oxford dictionary, like an actual physical copy, and I'm like, okay, and then I pick out a word. Just any word that starts with that. So they're all bullshit, stupid, non-descriptive words. Like I have a G drive for games. I have an M drive for music. What's oh, your What's your F drive? Francium. That's my. Francium. <laughs> the fuck that's, is that? Francium is my external hard drive. F drive. Okay. I was thinking of a different word that starts with that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I can think of a few choice ones myself. Oh, okay. except you'll definitely approve of her X drive, which, which is, is xylophone. Xenon. Xenon. Oh, cool. Good on you, my lady. She doesn't know. She doesn't know why you like that, though. Xenon is the name of the planet that Roger Wilco comes from in Space Quest. Yeah, and that's also my games drive. Of course, it is. Oh, not not the G else. drive called games, but the X drive called excellent vocabulary. <laughs> back. I've got uh, I've got two drives on my laptop here: a C and a D drive. Uh, the C drive is called Fuck Switch. <laughs> And uh, the D drive is called Cunt Punch. <laughs> Let's see. I have two more. I have okay. So my C drive is Corolla. That was just the first word I flipped through in the C in the C part of the dictionary. Corolla. And then I have K, which is kinetic. And my Q drive is Quetzal. Q is where I keep my torrents and backups. Quetzal. Quetzal. Fucking nice. Quetzal. Is that, is that like a like a Peruvian god or something. Yeah. That's, that's like what a... happens when you bend over and stick your ass out. I'm quetzaling? Yeah. Or that. <laughs> Glad to quetzal your acquaintance. At sounds least like, it wasn't queef. Sounds, Ooh. Oh, oh. Then why isn't it queef? You Canadian should know. You never watched South Park? Of course oh, we, we did. we do. We watched the most recent one. Yeah, we've watched, I think, every South Park that's ever been. David, do you ride your little bicycle like that to school? <laughs> <laughs> they did an entire episode on queefing. Yes, they, they did. did. At least one. Oh, the queef uh, sisters. Yeah, the queef sisters. Oh, they had, didn't. Was that the one where the um, where they make fun of the royal wedding too? Yeah. Oh, as is tradition, oh, and here comes the queen looking lovely as ever with her beautiful royal hat. As is tradition, and now the prince sticking his arms in the pudding. Oh, this is a wonderful magical day. <laughs> what are we talking about again? Oh yeah, Max Payne. Max Payne, I believe. Oh yeah, and my and so anyways, I get about thirty. I'm I got I'm feeling pretty good. I get about thirty minutes in, just past the. Uh, Part with the rave at the beginning, and I have to go find that stupid cunt face. And Not a rave, the, uh, it's a nightclub. There's a big difference. Why? Okay, fine. The nightclub with uh, cunt face and the queef twins. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and my game crashes before I get out of the nightclub. Is it oh, just yeah. me or every time I'm on the show, the, the show just becomes such a little past the R rating? <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Oh, I'm, please. I'm I was writing NT17 before I was old enough to go to the movies for that stuff. You just bring yeah, up the do, best of us. <laughs> Anyways, my computer crashed, and when I came into when when I went to check my BIOS, my temperature was through the roof. I'm surprised I didn't burn out my CPU. Yeah, it was like 90 Celsius or something. It yeah, was pretty high. So it, it like did a hard reset because the CPU was overheating. Yep. And so we decided that because it was summer, I should uh, get myself. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm gonna walk over to the uh, computer store. Yeah, we have two computer stores. Within Less walking than a block from us. Yeah. One of them sucks and CRX, boo. And the other is Ken the Computers. Great start, great people, and they helped me get this. And they helped, and the uh, guy I spoke to helped me pick out a good uh, cooling solution. I yeah, got sure myself. He said, I got myself a uh, liquid cooling solution. Um, it's oh, a, let me find the box. I forget what it's called. It's a uh, Cooler Master brand? Yeah. It's is this going to be about how, how fucking noisy these things are? Oh, it's a 
it's completely silent. Mine is like hers is oh, super silent because Brian's was like uh, a piece his of was a like fucking it's... jet engine. Is what it was. Yeah, it's the Cooler Master Sadon One Twenty V. Very <laughs> very good CPU cooler. It's extremely efficient. I'm idling right now at like 17, oh, 16 degrees. Yeah, her CPU goes, we keep temperature monitors open just because we both got cooling solutions this past weekend. Hers goes down to 11 Celsius, which I... During the, during the summer, birds just block around her CPU trying to keep cool. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have an AMD 8-core, what is it, 8350X? I don't remember. Something like that. It's it actually runs pretty cool. That's why I've always been buying AMD's. I find them much cooler, and I and I have fewer problems this way. But Max Payne made me realize that I that maybe it was time for me to get an additional a better cooling system if I was going to play more powerful games. Mm -hmm. So initially, it was loud. This uh, cooler. Yeah, because I hadn't secured the fan properly onto the back, and then I secured it too much. Oh right, and it wouldn't even spin because mm -hmm. you tightened the screws too much. Yeah, so I but just, even after that. The pump was a good volume, but the fan was going at full blast, which was pretty loud. Yeah, so we had to, we figured out that I had to, we had to reverse the plugs. That way, the uh, fan that, that way the the pipes were always at the same consistent temperature, while the fan regulated itself depending on what I was oh, doing. Right. So I I read this right after she installed it. Uh, what apparently you're supposed to do with a liquid cooler, at least one of these all-in-one systems, is there's two power plugs that go between the cooler and the motherboard. The what there's a power cooler that's connected to the pump, this is a pump that pumps the liquid between the CPU and the cooler fan on the back of the case. That plug you're supposed to plug into the CPU fan plug, and you instruct your motherboard to always let that run at 100% speed. Then there's a second plug, and that plugs into the fan, which is installed at the back of your case, that the uh, heated water uh, goes past, and that, uh, that uh, gets rid of all the cooling. Sorry, that gets rid of all the heat and blasts it out into the air. So the fan you're supposed to plug in to your motherboard in one of the case fans. Yeah, in one of the uh, optional ch chassis slots, which is right beside on, which you plug in right beside the CPU. Guys, 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 you, you guys, you guys lost me at pipes and cooling. And I mean, have you guys ever watched the Serial Experiments Lane? We were talking about animes before. Oh, uh, I haven't seen ever? that one. Have you? I uh, started. I uh, got it, and I just never got around to it because I just I had it at the same time I had Gundam Wing. Okay, well, you you kind of have to uh, sort of pace yourself with it because it, it gets kind of stony uh, at times. Or yeah, but have you, have you seen one of the later episodes where she has this uh, huge computer room with like cables hanging down from the wall, and she's pr practically strapped into her computer? There's a thousand screens around her and such. That's how I picture your living room. Yeah, that's how we're <laughs> podcasting right now. We don't even open our mouths. <laughs> I know. We just kind of mentally stream everything. That's right. <laughs> don't we? Actually, our living room is much better than it was. We used to have. Uh, Piles and piles of old, uh, worn-out computer hardware everywhere. We did. We had, yeah, cases and power supplies and hard drives all over our house. We, we I, It killed me, but I made the executive decision to throw it all out. You like, guys are just living the cyberpunk dream, aren't we you? We super I mean, are. You should, you, should be, you should, like, open your own illicit computer stores. Like, when people knock on the door, just go, what's the password? And then you just, <laughs> hey, here, here's your RAM motherboard, here's your whatever, like... Uh, like Neo and the Matrix, just <laughs> hardware. Yeah. I'm rambling. Sorry. Well, I'll continue. I'll conclude my ramble then. So the, cool. the the fan on the back you're supposed to plug into the um, into the, the case. The optional uh, plug. Well, to one of the case fan plugs. It was no. You're thinking about the optional CPU plug. That's what, that was our mistake. You don't plug it into that. You plug it into a case fan uh, slot on your motherboard, and then you tell 
your motherboard to run that fan at variable speeds depending on the temperature of the system. Yep, and I also had to plug in my uh, my t the uh, case the case fan at the top, my really big one that spins slowly into one of the other optional ones. That's right. So. What all that does is it means that the, the pump for the CPU is always going at 100% speed, but the, the fan, fan is, all, is usually, is very rarely at top speed. It goes very slowly, and that's what made it absolutely silent. Mm -hmm. So that's what I haven't, I haven't built a computer in a million years. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've had a desktop computer in, I don't know, five or six years or something. I, I used to, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, got very into, you know, plugging different bits and pieces in because my dad's an electrical engineer so i can always you know go into his room pick out a graphics card and go i wonder what this does and usually which is break the computer mm -hmm. uh ide cables everywhere big old mess uh, fans everywhere and such uh nowadays i just have a laptop i open it i hit power it boots uh, on occasion um mm -hmm. and it's woefully under equipped uh, for my new career as a youtube let's player um <laughs> but, right and, and so am i but uh yeah there you go. I haven't touched. I have no idea what a graphics card looks like these days. I have no idea what a cooler looks like these days. Um, wouldn't even know if I went on a if I went into a store and said I'd like this and this and this uh, computer. They would just look at me and go, "You were born in the '80s, weren't you?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we live for that stuff. Well, yeah. one of the prerequisites. I, I bought an air cooler myself to replace my very loud uh, liquid cooler. And it seems to keep my CPU as cool as the liquid cooler ever did, and it's silent too. So a prerequisite for both of our coolers was that they had this kind of mounting bracket thing that's supposed to go underneath your motherboard, and the other side goes on top of the motherboard, and they sort of clamp together to sandwich your CPU and put lots of pressure on it so that the, the heat Thermal stays, in, yeah, it stays in good contact. So that meant that we had to open up our computers and disassemble it piece by piece, Completely. Yeah. And, and in my case, it meant finding two additional uh, SATA cables that I'm like going, where do these one plug into again? Rip, rip. Yeah, that's right. We had even more cables than devices. <laughs> so we basically had to disassemble our computers into little pieces and then put it all back together again. And that's how, that's how, we spent, that's how it was. It took us almost six hours to do bar our computers one after the other. But Each, each one of us took turns with the instructions and holding various screws and flashlights. That's right. Oh, Which it reminded me a lot of that game that we watched, Lazy Game Reviews and Pushing Up Roses play. Oh, what was it called? They played this hilarious game where... Oh, uh, Don't Stop Talking. It's called Don't Stop Talking. One person on their screen sees a bomb. Have you, Trolls, have you ever played Police Quest 2? I've seen it. I haven't actually played it. Okay, well, there's an idiotic scene in Police Quest 2 where you have to take a plane, and of course it gets hijacked. Of course. I've seen that, uh, yeah, the horribly racist scene. Isn't it? Yeah. And, um... The, you have to disassemble a bomb. You have to defuse a bomb that's in the in the bathroom of the plane. Um, so the trick to that puzzle, spoilers, who cares? It's a twenty-something-year-old game. Is uh, that they you take the instructions? You take the instructions out of the turban of one of the dead hijackers, which of course is also very racist. And, uh, why, is he, why is he carrying instructions with him? I know that's very convenient. So they, uh, in case something went wrong and they and they didn't want to blow up the plane just yet. Oh, I guess in case they, in case they had to like it's, call it's, Dell it's like, to troubleshoot it. Like the idea of two hijackers, one of them has a gun on the entire plane, the other one's going, "Hold on, hold on, I got it, I got it." Pull uh, trigger this <laughs> Well, at least uh, they too bad if they wanted to be one, they could have given them, you know, uh, camel jockey wear. <laughs> they basically did. I'll show you the game sometime. It's I've a very, seen. I think I've seen that. It's too. a very stupid scene. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, the, the the key to that puzzle is that you have to follow the instructions backwards because you're disassembling the bomb. And so this game, what did you say it was called? Don't stop talking. Yeah. One person on the screen sees their own bomb, and it's like a 3D model of a thing that you can rotate, 
And based on each playthrough, it will have different weird-looking gadgets on it that are difficult to describe. And the other player cannot see the bomb. They only have a gigantic manual that they have to flip through based on the description that the other person verbally gives them. So the two sides can't see each other's screens. One person just describes it to the other. Mm -hmm. And you have a very limited amount of yeah, time. If minutes. you do something wrong, then the timer starts ticking faster. And it's a real shit-your-pants crap fest. It's yeah, very you should funny think that watch. in the game notes. But yeah, at one point, Lazy Game Reviews just says, fuck it and hit the detonation button. Yeah, that's right. He blew himself up because he was flustered by his own inability to describe what the bomb looked like, which is very funny. <laughs> Uh, there was a uh, a case in uh, Denmark uh, back in 2010, I think, uh, of a a guy who wanted to blow up a hotel. Um, and he, uh, first of all, the case is, is so weird because he only had one leg. Uh, and he was trying to, he, he went into the bathroom of this hotel to blow up this bomb. And of course, it wouldn't blow up. Um, and then he, uh, you know, sort of panicked and ran into a park. And then it blew up. Uh, and he caught fire, and the police were just standing around him, just going, what the hell is wrong with this guy? So just imagine this guy on one leg hobbling through the park, halfway on fire, carrying an explosive device. <laughs> That's interesting. Even, even our terrorists are completely fucking inept. Oh, I just read a story this week, which was a man tries to put out a grass fire by driving his van full of ammunition on it. <laughs> and the photograph is just... Well, actually, he survived. And he ran out. <laughs> that's and, a Darwin Award right there. Isn't it? That's that's rather asking for it. Yeah, it is. We were talking about something, and I don't know what, so I guess we're done. See, we were done. We were talking about... Uh, oh, yeah, Max Payne. That's how we talked we, about... We started, and then we got to the end of that, and then we... Oh, we did. Oh, so you, you, the happy ending is that you're able to play... Not only are you able to play Max Payne 3 for extended periods without any overheating, but okay. you're, our, your computer and our computers are, like, as silent as they've ever been. Mm-hmm. So, hallelujah. And I have, I have, my, my computer is very, very, I, I said it was under-equipped. It really is. I can't even run Gone Home with uh, full uh, detail. That game runs um, surprisingly poorly, actually, for what it is. Well, it is, it is Unity. Um, and uh, I, I backed Let's it. Let's take Comic objects and move to different rooms. Great way to play Unity. Oh, I mean, Gone Home. <laughs> I love that. Yo, you'll uh, get to that, won't you? <laughs> and I and I backed uh, Carmageddon, and I was so excited to get to play the uh, you know pre-release versions and such. And even with all the details clocked down, I mean, the whole thing looks like it's made out of fucking Lego, <laughs> and uh, it it just runs like ass. I well, can't play it. The latest Tex Murphy game that was Unity too, wasn't it? That one actually ran okay. Me too. Uh, on on Chandler Avenue, it, it was it was kind of stuttering, and the sound started uh, you know stuttering and such. Uh, but it it ran okay. I mean, I had to knock Didn't the detail down. Didn't it also have those really obnoxious sliding puzzles? Yes, it oh, did. But the parts where you were walking around the environments, uh, doing the investigation stuff like you do in Under a Killing Moon, I love that. They really worked out a great job of the interface of like walking around and using your flashlight and stuff like that. I thought that was terrific. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, it's it's really a step up from the uh, Under a Killing Moon slash Pandora Directive UI, which I also love. I mean, uh, yeah. for, for its time, for, you know, being a 3D, um, um, you know, exploration kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, I, I really like the idea of switching between movement mode and interactive mode, uh, also yeah. because that meant that there were no timed puzzles, except there were... Which really sucked, um, mm -hmm. but you know, because because you walk around and you think, okay, uh, the interface is so you know, I'm not going to say cumbersome, but uh, kind of like, okay, I have to move here, I have to stop him, I have to click a button, then I can look around and such. They're not going to throw any time puzzles at me, at me, are they? Uh, 
then and then you get to GRS and Hunter Killing Moon, and this fucking eyeball is roaming the corridors, and it's insta death when it. Oh, the robot the, thing, and you have to like duck behind a. I was shitting my pants back in 1994. That's where I quit the game. game. It's the sure. only time. That's where I quit the game. It's the only time in the whole game where you have to like crouch down. I didn't even know there was a button for it. Um, there's uh, there's a button for standing on your tippy toes, and there's a button for crouching down, and also there's mm. a funny little bug, or bug. I don't know if it's a bug. Um, probably is something they didn't test um, in that game, and that that you know completely took my fear away from this little Romy robot guy. Is that when you're in a room, you get this announcement that a security sweep is going to come in, and you have like I don't know thirty seconds to find a good hiding spot. Yeah, that's where you shit your pants. That's where you shit your pants. Except if you find the little bug, which is save your game, restore your game, robot goes away. Oh, if only I had known. Because <laughs> I never finished I, that game. I came so close. Yeah. I think that's close. You should. You really should. It's one of my favorite games of all time. I it mean, is just, so funny. The acting and the jokes are just so great. I love all the people on Chandler Avenue. Do you have a favorite character, by the way? Oh, from Chandler Avenue? Oh, mm -hmm. every, everybody loves Rook. The old snarky... I was going to pick Rook, the pawn shop guy. Pawn shop guy, yeah. Oh, he's, he's Oh, fantastic. how cliche. Rook works in a pawn shop. <laughs> yeah, Rook's pawn shop. I mean, yeah. the joke was obviously lost at me when I was 14 years old, but uh, I can appreciate it in hindsight. Yeah. Um, and uh, what the hell was I going to say about Andre Killing Moon? Um, Your favorite character. Shit. Uh, well, that, that was my favorite character. Uh, oh, oh, oh. oh. Well, Tex is also at his snarkiest in that game. Uh, he he kind of mellows out and kind of becomes more serious in later games. And in Tesla Effect, he's really, you know, he, he still has a sense of humor, but he's really, like, you know, serious and, you know, scowly and uh, trying to sort this puzzle out. And in, in Pandora Directive, uh, everything just piles on top of him and such. And you, you can play him as this... Uh, alcoholic, abusive uh, person, uh, but in Under Killing Moon, he's just uh, he's just all wit. He's just funny as hell. Yeah, I thought so. I love uh, that. Oh, I also yeah, liked the uh, I also like the chocolate addicted uh, dumpster bum. <laughs> yeah, Clint. Yeah, uh, he's a card. That's uh, great. And he in, in Pandora Directive, he's got his own chocolate bar. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I hope that means he made it. That poor fellow. <laughs> oh, he does. And in Tesla Effect, he runs the Ritz Hotel. Oh. I forgot that. I've, I've pushed that game largely out of my mind. I will play it again. I, uh, because I'm, of day five, right? No, I made it way past day five. Oh, I yeah, got, but you block it out because of day five. Probably. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Let's not go into that again. Okay, we? let's not. I think we've been there. Yep. Already covered that on Joe's show. All right, well, I'll mention then my last thing um, on my pre-show list here, which is that I read a review of the much-anticipated Steam controller on PC Gamer's website. How Have you heard about this it? controller? Uh, only you talking about it. How do they rate it? Do you have a link to the article? I, I'll put a link to the article. They they just have a first impressions thing where they've only played it for a few hours. They really don't like it at all. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds like a really cool idea. It's very ambitious. Yeah. The idea is that instead of being like an Xbox-style gamepad with two analog sticks and a digital pad, um, it has two great big like touch... Uh, touchpads where your thumbs go, where the analog sticks would be, and you drag your thumb around it, or you can tap your, your thumb on the edges, and it sort of works like a D-pad. Sounds like a great idea. I fucking hate those thumbsticks. Thumb so do I, but... Second language. Oh, well, so, so do I, but um, it sounds like their goal was to replace both uh, a mouse, or to replace the mouse, the keyboard, and the analog sticks with a single device. So I would love if they would... They only really played it with games where they... Uh, used those thumb slidey pads instead of 
analog sticks for kind of action games and shooters and stuff. I'd love to... What I'm daydreaming about is, like, leaning back and using one of the thumb pads as a mouse cursor while I play Day of the Tentacle or something like that. Oh, yeah. That would be nice, because those games are so cinematic, but you have to play them while, like, leaning forward and resting on your desk. So I'm always looking for opportunities to I have, I have a wireless mouse. That works for me. Oh, yes, it does. True. How many batteries do you go through, or how often do you have to recharge? Uh, I actually haven't changed batteries in my wireless mouse for... Since I got it, really, it, it holds hmm. battery amazingly well. Oh wow! And it's I, over a, over a year old, maybe two years actually. Wow! Uh, yeah, that that thing just go. Oh, speaking of weird controllers, weren't Valve looking into doing a controller uh, where you use your tongue? Yes, they what? were. They were, what as a matter kind of fact. Of weirdness, just weird shit, is that? This was when they were looking into. This was while they were doing their research about virtual reality and augmented reality. And uh, they just did research on the different muscles of the body, and the tongue is one of the most powerful and precise muscles in your body, I think, after the eyeballs. Yeah, insert your own cunnilingus joke here. Yeah, exactly. Imagine the simulators that would come out after that peripheral. <laughs> yeah. But uh, apparently you can control yourself with fantastic precision between your tongue and your eyeballs. You, they could play games very effectively. They didn't think it would be commercially viable. They thought people would be scared of it. <laughs> can, sounds... you, can you blame him? I mean, I just, I just imagine Val being this laboratory of really stoned lottery winners. <laughs> that just, just going, this is this this is going to be great. Mm -hmm. one yeah, of them, one of them, one of them who's not theoretically sounds interesting, but I can see how Val would think that it doesn't have marketing potential, just be, given the average consumer's uh, willingness to try something radically new. Well, that's why I think they're stupid for making a, a virtual reality thing that relies on you or at least supports you having an empty room in your house. Who the hell has an empty room in their, their no house one. unless they're Bill Gates? Yeah, no one does. That's yeah, this, is, this is the same era that, uh, was it Microsoft who did the uh, Kinect? I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's the same mistake. Because I, I tried that thing. It's fucking useless. Um, oh, for so, the motion uh, detection so, stuff? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I used to uh, do freelance reviews for this uh, game magazine in, uh, in Denmark, and they uh, hauled me by their offices for a Christmas party, I think. We mm. all got phenomenally wasted, and uh, mm -hmm. the uh, Kinect was just about to come out, and they had one of these uh, pre-release demo things at, at the office, and we were trying to uh, trying out these uh, you know demo games with the Kinect. And it was just, I mean, first of all, Four drunk guys trying to, you know, it, it trying to scan four drunk guys, and other people are standing behind us, and all of a sudden the game thinks we have four arms and such, and uh, it's and every every time you sit down, it's if, if you sit down, the you know the box just shits itself. It just goes, what? No human could possibly do this, and your character on screen just slumps into a, you know, a pile of spaghettified polygons. <laughs> well, this I presume was the Xbox 360 one. Yeah. I'd I haven't tried it. I'd like to think that they've improved it for the latest one, but it was not a popular peripheral from what I understand. It used to be mandatory, but nobody wanted it, and it was lo losing them sales, so they made it optional. It's motion, motion control is bullshit, really. Uh, the Wii is also bullshit. Uh, you know, I don't have that many Wii games. The Wii is a fantastic emulator. That's what I use it for. I use mm -hmm. it to you know play old Commodore 64 and NES games and such. With what uh, controller? But, uh, well, with uh, either a uh, you know a GameCube uh, pad 
because that's really good for the uh, you know, the old games. Even though you know the A and B button are kind of uh, in a weird position, you you get used to it. Okay. Um, but the, the you know the Wii games themselves, um, Nintendo had this thing where uh, they would force developers to use the motion control for something or other, even though it made absolutely no sense in the context and such. So uh, potentially good games were just you know torn to shit because the fucking Wii mode doesn't understand a fucking thing you do. Sorry for swearing. Uh, uh, reminds me of trying to do Cooking Mama on that console because it, it was if you didn't move it in just the right way, it either thought you weren't moving or that you over exaggerated. Oh, was, I thought it was kind of fun. It it was conceptually it was, it was funny, unique, but it did but it lacked precision. Even though you were pointing it at the TV. Mm-hmm. All but, that said, uh, I will wipe the floor with everyone who tries to play Wii Golf against me. Um, oh, I love the, that. Uh, yeah, the, the secret with uh, Wii Golf and basically anything in Wii Sports, at least with the uh, standard Wiimote, is that you don't have to stand up. You don't have to point the thing at the ground uh, or make, a, you know, like a pretend golf swing to make it go anywhere. It basically just tracks your motion towards the uh, sensor bar so you can sit comfortably in the couch and just flick your wrist like a dainty little person. <laughs> and the ball will just go flying, uh, you know, into orbit. Into the nearest um, sand trap. Right. Well, I, I would one of these days really like. I've been doing research on how you can uh, emulate Wii games with the proper peripherals on your PC, and it looks like it's not very difficult. There's a terrific emulator called Dolphin, which emulates both Wii and GameCube games, and it does it very well, better than the original hardware ever did, because you could do it at super high resolution with anti-aliasing and all that fun stuff. Um, the sensor bar I learned needs power for the LEDs to turn on, but it doesn't transmit any data. It's just a passive device. So as long as you can power a sensor bar and put it above or below your monitor, and then you get a little Bluetooth adapter, which you can buy for $10 or so, and you stick that somewhere on your computer, and that's all the Wiimote needs to communicate with your computer. So for like $30 or so, you can turn your computer into a Wii. Plus you need the the, the uh, Wiimotes, of course. Yeah, but they're not they're not that expensive. And and what I really loved about the Wii was that it was the perfect console system for adventure games. I mean, some someone made Scum VM for the GameCube and I really don't see how that would work at all, but they did. And uh you know, a couple of adventure games did come out for the Wii, but they were absolute shit. Uh Secret Files to Guska and uh, Broken Sword the director's cut. Oh, we owned episode one of the Strong Bad Telltale game, which was very playable because the Wiimote was a terrific mouse cursor. Yeah, that's exactly it. The Wiimote is a terrific mouse cursor. Oh, and they also did Sam and Max season one for the Wii. Oh, uh, that's right. Which which lags. I mean, Jesus, it's not it's not like it's fucking Call of Duty or anything, uh, but. You know, it, it lags. Uh, Tales of Monkey Island lags as well. Uh, the Wii is just... Well, the Wii is basically just a souped-up GameCube anyway. Uh, but, I think uh, it was like two GameCube CPUs on like a dual CPU motherboard. That's like yeah. literally what it was, I believe. But I was really, really disappointed. And now, of course, the Wii is old news and it's not being sold anymore and stuff. Uh, they really... I mean, they really missed the ball right there. If the Wii had come out... Um, now or like in 2012 13 when the adventure game resurgence was just coming out we would have seen some crazy shit on that machine uh and also if it supported hd that would be nice uh, which it didn't yeah it sure would it seems like a natural kind of a peripheral to combine with virtual reality yeah yeah that, that would that would have been spectacular i would have loved to because that, that was before i had my you know laptop and hdmi cable and uh, i could just you know i can just plug my laptop into the tv and sit on my couch and play adventure games which is uh, tons of fun with mm-hmm. my uh, wireless mouse but before that you know i had an old uh, you know um four four by three is that how you say four four by three uh, aspect ratio tv yep. uh big old clunker uh and the uh, you know 
the Wii and the little Wiimote, and I would have just loved just to, you know, lean back on the couch and, uh, you know, play adventure games with my little magic wand. Um, That's the dream. That was the dream, and it bombed. Sadly. Sadly. Oh, and, oh, and the oh, sorry. Uh, last thing about the Wii. The biggest kick in the balls was that they actually they actually released an awfully good adventure game for the Wii, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Here's the kicker, though. Hmm. It was included as an as an Easter egg in an abysmally bad Indiana Jones game. It was hmm. an unlockable Easter egg. That's amazing. So, Very Days of Tentacle style. Yeah, but fuck that. If I'm buying a shitty game just to play a good game on my TV. Well, plus, I guess, if it is Day of the Tentacle style where you have to play through half the game just to access it. Oh, it was hidden away. It was an Easter egg. You had to trigger some shit um, in the game. during the game to be able to unlock it. Well, that's a pretty damn cool Easter egg anyway. It's pretty generous. Oh, it is. It is. But, again, not buying a shitty game just to play a good game. Yeah, no, well, there's Scum VM for... My PC. They made Scum VM for Wii as well, if you had, like, a rooted, modded, whatever, uh, Wii. Yeah, they did, and oh, I never okay. really dared to root my Wii because uh, back when back when I had it, it was a very very uh, complicated affair. You had to you know create a boot disk, and you had to turn it off and on at the exact right moment before it would load RAM and such. And if you weren't careful, you could brick the fucker. So right. um, I was just nah, I'm not gonna brick. Uh, I mean, we don't exactly have uh, you know the scratch to go out and get a replacement, and so uh, yeah, not not happening. Yeah, that's right. The only console that we ever tried to... We were, we were always worried of bricking our console, so the only one we ever uh, got rooted was our uh, Nintendo DS, where we got a, a like a hacked flash cart, which lets you put in an SD card and play uh, homebrew utilities and games and pirated stuff hmm. off of that. That was handy. Well, that sounds have... easy. The yeah, that didn't with the Wii, that sounds really yeah, complicated. I know they made it easier uh, since then, but uh, still, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, well, I'd rather emulate it and play it in high-res on my widescreen monitor. Yeah, the only thing, the only reason I would even do it was because uh, they did a, a Project Zero game, or Fatal Frame for you North Americans, ah. uh, for the Wii, which never came out in, in a translated version. But someone did a fan-translated version of it. And one of the things we never got to talk about in our uh, in the uh, drunken episode, uh, <laughs> but, you know, powerful things, but which I did mention on Joe's uh, Patreon hangout, was uh, Pro- Project Zero was one of the most powerful... Uh, stories that I've ever experienced, um, hmm. right, you know, right, right up there with Gone Home, actually. Except this one is horrifying, rather than, you know, uh, whatever Gone Home is. Uh, yes. Uh, so, so I really, 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 really wanted to, uh, you know, play Project Zero on the Wii, but uh, yeah, sadly, no. That was the game where the primary mechanic is taking pictures of ghosts or something. Yeah, the game itself is shit. That's a cool story, idea. My God, the story, and and it actually is really, really scary. Hmm. Really? It's a very I mean, cool idea. I, I'd love to see that on the Wii U, where the controller has a screen on it, so it's basically like a big camera itself. Oh, that would be spectacular, wouldn't it? That would be great. There were some similar games for, uh, was it the 3DS that has a camera on the back, where you like aim it around your own house, and you start to see ghosts in your own house, and you have to tap the Eek. screen or something? It's pretty cool. You play it anywhere, and it hides ghosts in like certain <laughs> colors and stuff. It's a great idea. Oh, that was oh, that sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. There was a similar um, short-lived Google Glass app as well. Google Glass being like the the crappy pair of glasses sort of thing that's now discontinued, like the augmented yeah. reality sort of a thing. It was an exercise app that would make if you look behind you, you see zombies, so you would wear it <laughs> while you go jogging, and the goal was to get away from the zombies. That's fantastic. It is a good idea. I'm sure it got somebody hit by a car or something, but they had a big <laughs> smile on their face, no doubt. 
<laughs> like piles of bodies somewhere. Oh, they bought the cuckoo class. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. Detective standing over there going, yeah, yeah what a pity. Mm-hmm. What a pity. All right. We have uh, we have a letter to read today. From Ooh. oh, we've gotten a letter from this gentleman in the past, and I love this name so much. His name is Valour Fog. <laughs> oh, the Valour Fog. Valour That's Fog. a drama reference, isn't it? There's Valour. There's Fog. I don't know if there's a Valour Fog. Is there? I no. I do believe Zab Brannigan refers to refers to himself as the Valour Fog. At oh, that's some point. sweet. Oh, I love it. So he says. I square squares waves. <laughs> okay, I'll buy that. Close enough. Great episode about scary games. One of the earliest memories I have of a game that scared me is Moonstone, A Hard Day's Night. It was made by Mindscape in 1991 for the Amiga. There was a DOS version released later as well. It's a game... Oh. Just wondering, does, why does Mindscape sound familiar to me? Oh, Mindscape? They made lots of games. They're a big publisher for DOS. I, know. I remember those, and I also remember Moonstone. Although I never, I never played it, but uh, you know, my my childhood friends uh, said that they played it on the Amiga, and that it was gory as shit. So I was like, "Yay, can I play?" And oh, I cool. never, you know, track down a copy. Anyway, oh, I've never heard of it, but he does include a YouTube video later on, so I will, uh, I will uh, put it up there. Um, it's a game where you play as one of four. Am I getting it? Yeah, it's a game where you play as one of four knights. An overhead map is used for travel, and you walk around to different cities or points of interest and fight enemies. It has some light RPG elements. When you traveled, the game loaded from floppy and showed loading screens with dark silhouettes of Stonehenge and very ominous music. Dun dun dun! Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were there oh, were one order thing. Dun dun! <laughs> yeah, bang! There was a pretty v- wide variety of monsters, and you never. And you never knew quite which ones would show up, so the loading screens created a real sense of dread. It's an extremely gory game with decapitation, Woo-hoo! mutilations, all right. general Yay. gushing of blood all over Ooh. the place. Yay. <laughs> Yay! Kind of a cult classic among Amiga fans. For next episode about unreleased games, check out Hardcore by Digital Illusions. Dice. It was a platformer for the Genesis Mega Drive, similar to Turrican or Super Metroid, that looked absolutely awesome. Cygnosis canned the project when a game was basic when the game was basically done. There's a great YouTube video of it from the Data Storm demo party. That's it for me. Keep up the good waves, Valor Fog. Thank you very very much, Valor Fog. I'm gonna have to find Moonstone as well as Hardcore. It was Hardcore by uh, Dice that he has a video of. I'll find Moonstone and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Brian, you should do audiobooks. The amount of emotion you put into reading is just, it gets me right here. <laughs> Sorry. Meh. <laughs> he's made me, he's made me read the, when I was, when I would try to read in bed, he would not have me read from my book. So I haven't been able, so I haven't been able to read Game of Thrones in a while. <laughs> oh, that's right. She's been reading the first Game of Thrones books. I love when Bianca reads to me in bed because she starts off kind of monotone, but about, eight sentences in or so, then all the emotion starts to come in and the emphases and stuff like that, and it's very exciting. <laughs> I, t- I try to read, because, uh, uh, you know, my wife sometimes has trouble sleeping, so I, I tell her bedtime stories, mm. and usually my bedtime stories uh, involve recounting game stories. Because um, <laughs> th- those are the, she's not going to play any of the adventure games, but so she might as well, you know, experience the, uh, you know, the good story behind them. Uh, but I did try to read uh, from the Gabriel Knight novel, to her and I got about halfway through page one before you know I just couldn't keep a straight face and neither could she and she wasn't falling asleep at all so yeah. 
Yeah, so I just I decided to recount the game from memory instead. I've, I've yeah, I've got that novel. I don't remember it being too bad. I haven't read it for like a decade or so. I should read oh, it again. It's, it's not bad, but it just it just felt really weird, you know, because um, you know, reading aloud in English and um, yeah, it was yeah, it, it was weird. But you couldn't have read it then translated. Well, that's a lot of On work. On the fly? Are you kidding? That's a lot of well, work. Well, actually, I was at an anime convention in uh, 2001. And I was, with a, I was with a very good friend of mine. And we went into this theater. There weren't a lot of people in it. And they were still showing, for the first time, the uh, a movie called The Adolescence of Yutena. They didn't have subtitles, so this one guy got up and did completely translated the movie on the fly. That's cool. And on top of that, he sang the translation of the lyrics of oh. the one song that they played during a dance between Anthony and Yutena. Did he pause it between sentences? No. Or he just yelled it out? He just basically just recited it as is. Holy moly. You may have seen the movie before. Uh, did you Did you guys, you probably didn't, but did you guys see Fred and me play through the Danish adventure game Blackout? Where we no. tried to live translate uh, during the... Uh, we were drunk. I was course. meaning to. That sounds amazing. <laughs> you're you're going to have to give me the... You're going to have to give me the YouTube link. Okay, I will. But it's... it's it's six hours of, you know, two drunk people trying to live translate a game. It's fucking hilarious. I guess uh, if you're in the mood for that. Absolutely. I'll send you the link. Absolutely. Danish games. Are they delicious? Danish games. Oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, do you have Danish pastries called Danishes in Denmark? Well, that's... They're not called Danishes. I'm sure What are they they're... called? They're actually called uh, uh, Wienerbrot, which means uh, bread from Vienna. So we oh. just completely, uh, you know, translocated them. That's interesting. So it's basically what we call cheddar is what the Americans call Canadian cheese. And what we call back bacon, the Americans call Canadian bacon. <laughs> well, my favorite my favorite line from that second uh, recent Wolfenstein remake game was uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to screw it up if I try to tell it, but it's basically an American trying to pass as a German and uh, calling a somebody dog? A, yeah calling someone a Frankfurter. No, he, no, because <laughs> the guy says ask if you if the if he's from Frankfurt and he goes yeah ich bin ein hot dog. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> oh, that's um, uh, I, I can't remember who did that uh, that joke. It's a stand-up comedian who did the joke uh, um, when John F. Kennedy went to uh, Berlin and went, Ich bin ein Berliner, which means Men's I'm a jelly donut. I'm a donut. Oh, oh it, was, nice. it was Eddie Izzard who did that joke. And he just went, oh, thank God the fucker didn't go on a, on a tour of, of Germany. He said, I am a Frankfurter. Mm -hmm. I am a hamburger. Basically. <laughs> Speaking oh, of hamburgers, yeah. during the First World War, because they didn't want to, the Americans, you know, didn't want to associate the word hamburger with their uh, precious cuisine, they called hamburgers Freedom Burgers. Really? <laughs> because hamburger had had been derived from the name Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did the whole thing with the Freedom Fries as well? That was so fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. even though fries, fries are, are, are Belgian in origin. Oh, are they in origin? <laughs> we ate them in Belgium. Yeah, that's primarily where you go for them. Even though you prime, even though uh, Netherlands surprisingly is known for its uh, fried street fries scene. Oh, Netherlands has kick-ass food. Yeah. On this special episode uh, of Square Food Waves, food that toilet is good. Square toilet wave and square food wave. We should do spin-offs, dude. Yeah. Or we, not. Every episode is a spin-off. <laughs> okay. okay, trolls. What have, a bit more. What, 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 trolls, what have you been playing this week? Uh, my YouTube channel will tell you, uh, but uh, I've, oh, of course, uh, the YouTube channel. Oh, you've been playing uh, some Broken Age, haven't you? I've been playing some Broken Age, uh, also known as Tim Schafer's uh, Marijuana Psychosis. <laughs> Pretty well, uh, huh? 
which which I'm actually enjoying, but the uh, uh, you know the let's play I'm doing will uh, attest otherwise because uh, you know the, the game is gorgeous. Uh, it sounds great. The voice acting is great. Uh, the animation is fantastic. Uh, the game, so far at least for me, is not very. And, and this is a problem that uh, was shared with Grim Fandango as well. The game is not really that forthcoming with what it wants you to do in terms of uh, motivation and just setting a clear goal and such. Mm-hmm. I just I just keep going around in circles until I stumble upon something that uh, Tim Schafer and his marijuana addled brain uh, wanted me to do. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of a detriment in my in my book. But it's, you know, imagination-wise, uh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I love the setting and I love the uh, uh, I love the mystery that it sets up between the uh, two main characters. Uh, I just finished Act 1 uh, mm. and now I'm walking around the spaceship with Bella um, and, uh, you know, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, not entirely sold on, you know... It, being as as hyped as it was, it's not you know the second coming or anything. But to me, you know, Tim Schafer's uh, magnum opus was full throttle anyway, which is you know perfectly taught uh, design in in every single way. Very good with clear goals. Very good with hints. Very good with uh, everything you want to do. And then you know, Grim Fandango is it's also hailed as one of the great games, but it's a better story than it is an adventure game. And Broken Age suffers from the same. That's my uh, that's my uh, thirty second review right there. Oh, fair enough. They really yeah, do in Broken Age. Well, I loved, I absolutely loved the first half of it. The second half, I didn't think so much of. Yeah, the second half is kind of weird. It almost feels cobbled together. Whereas the first half has a better feel to it, and it has smoother flow and good and a better continuity with the plot. Whereas the second half has more of a uh, jumbled feel to it, and it's almost unnecessarily convoluted. I did think that in the first half, Vela's story had more purpose than what's his name's story. What was her purpose? I mean, I, I okay, I'm going to kill Mark Chothra. Cool. Um, you just, uh, you know, uh, escaped the uh, uh, virgin-eating monster. Uh, now you're on clouds. And instead of just going, can I get the fuck out of here? She goes on an egg hunt, and then she goes to Shell Mound, and she talks to trees. And I'm like, what are you doing, lady? Where oh, are she's you going trying, with this? She's trying to kill the monster from the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of a vague but, goal. In it. Yeah, and, and that's what I her think, uh, grandfather encouraged her to do at the very beginning as well. Yeah, and yeah, I think the cloud. I think she couldn't get off the clouds without having done this other stuff first. Because every time you go off the clouds, you get you get brought up. You got you get brought back up by these really oddly psychedelic looking birds. They look way too friggin' happy for their own good. They must have like oh, yeah, a strict diet of millet or something. They're so cute. Those are like some real happy chickens. I love those birds. They I love really the art cute. so much. The art is so, so, so good. And oh, the animation. that is great. It has amazing art. I'm yeah. not going to say that it's, you know, delved into moon logic and such. I'm just going to say that uh, most of the puzzle design is one of those where you go, oh, that's what I was supposed to do. Okay, in hindsight, that makes sense. Oh, the second half, I thought the puzzle design was much worse. Much, much, much worse. It's, I've only yeah. just started Act 2. I have no idea what the puzzles uh, yeah. are yeah, going to be like. Yeah, the puzzle seemed almost forced. I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything for you. I'll let you come to your own conclusion, but I love the first half and the second half kind of deflated the air out of my swollen head. Mm-hmm. Oh, sad. Okay. Well, I'm still interested to see where the uh, um, where the uh, plot is going and mm-hmm. how they're going to wrap everything up. Um, I was not expecting Shay to wobble out of uh, spoiler. Uh, sorry. I was not expecting to see him. Uh, oh, that's right. His name like, his name is Shay. <clears throat> that's the name you're trying to remember. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing I've been playing is, uh, Kentucky Fried Zero. 
which is uh, which is actually really getting under my skin, my, my skin uh, in a, in a good way. It's really it's it's an amazing uh, you know sort of setting and feel to it. It's really it, it's like a like a Twin Peaks uh, X Files kind of uh, dread um, where you're you're not really sure what the hell is going on, and there's all these uh, TVs and blackouts and and you know stuff is just weird like. Like the first scene, you go down into this uh, gas station basement, and there oh, are yeah. you know, three people sitting around a table playing cards. It's weird. And, uh, and and then there's a sign that says, "Please don't stay down here for more than uh, you know thirty seconds at a time because you will die and such." And then you go up and you go, uh, "Dude, you do you know to the gas station attendant, you go, dude, you, you know there are like three people down there sitting there playing cards, and he just goes, yeah, probably the shadows. I don't have people in my basement.'" <laughs> and at that point, I was just like, "Where's this game going?" And uh, eventually, I got picked up by a huge falcon, and uh, then you know, shit just got weird. This um, is Kentucky it, Route Zero, right? Kentucky it's Kentucky Route Zero. Zero yeah. Oh, because I have Kentucky Route Zero. That's, that's why. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. He's just being a dirt. Oh, he's just being yeah, Mr. <laughs> jerk about it. Yeah. I just I, I can't uh, I, when I installed the game, I just went Kentucky what. And yeah. whenever, whenever I have to, I really have to concentrate to say the right title because in my mind it is Kentucky Fried Zero. Uh. But anyway, it's a it's a really really cool experience. It's one of those uh, you know there aren't really puzzles to solve exactly. You are you are being led around on a string, so it's more akin to one of those. Uh, I'm not going to say walking simulators because that's kind of derogatory, but I really like walking simulators. Like uh, you guys were talking about. Um, uh, Stanley Parable and uh, the new one, um, the new beginning, uh, beginner's guide, beginner's, beginner's guide. guide. Thank you. I saw a let's play of that, uh, by Jack Septiguy, the uh, let's player I was talking about in the uh, previous episode I was on, mm-hmm. and he was he was reduced to tears by the end of it. Uh, so that's and and of course, I've already said my piece about Gone Home, although that cannot be overstated. Uh, so I really, I really like those games where you're not actually, you know you know, racking your brain trying to get through it. You're really just experiencing the story. But in the case of Kentucky Fried Zero, I'm just... Ah, see, there I go again. Stop calling uh, it that! <laughs> in, in the case of that game, I'm just going, what the hell? Where is this game going? What am I doing? Uh, which way do I drive? Uh, sorry? Yeah, which way do I drive now? Yeah, that's yeah, what I exactly. felt. Oh, the fucking driving. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing, because I'm terrible with directions. I, I literally could not find my way out of my own apartment without third-party intervention. <laughs> and and driving around on that map is just... once At, at one point, you get to this weird-looking sine wave kind of road, and you just drive around in a circle, and you're supposed to hit all these exits and such. I have no idea how I got through that. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, good experience. Yeah, I've been. That game has been advised to me by several people whose opinions I trust very much, and I've been too much of a jerk to play it. I forgot that Bianca owned it, so I'll, I'll try out your copy, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've heard really good things about it, except that it's very uh, kind of aimless and strange, and I don't know if it resolves into anything I... satisfying. It's not. It's episodic, and it's not done yet. Am I right? No. Oh no, there there are three episodes, and I think it is done. Um, mm. I'm, I'm on I'm on episode three now, and I haven't gotten to the end yet. And, and episode one and two were basically just, uh, yeah, I have I have to get to route zero. Can we get to route zero? Oh fuck, my leg is broken. Um, and then and the weird, you know, ghost people start you know talking to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been you know kind of weirdness for weirdness' sake, but also you just have this overwhelming sense that it's gonna make sense at some point. Either the dude is dead and walking around in purgatory, or all these ghosts are trying to tell him something, or he's got amnesia, or something. It's going to wrap up in some in some very cool way, I'm sure of it. 
or or not. If it doesn't, I'll be kind of disappointed because it's really been leading me up to this sort of aha moment that has yet to come. So yeah, I'm, weird games like that, if they don't have a resol- like a revelation that ties everything together, I always feel like it hasn't been respectful of my time and of the the, the, the emotion I put invested into it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm 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 not I'm not against you know ambiguity and such. Uh, I, I like a, a game that finishes on a sort of uh-huh, we'll see. Um, not as long like as it a, feels like it's had some sort of conclusion and, and it kind of draws stuff together. Yeah, because you what what it what it shouldn't do is just leave you hanging, kind of like kind of like what Twin Peaks did, uh, like leave you hanging at the end of the second season, going, okay, what was the fucking point of that? <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I do love Twin Peaks, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, you can clearly tell they had ideas for a third season and they never got around to it. Oh, right. Or they weren't Here's your allowed. stupid drink. Keep it out of my way. Sorry. Pardon us. <laughs> Squabbling over drinks. Pretty, Our, we have identical looking cans. They, I'm, I just picked up a can. I'm like, this doesn't look like mine. Well, get your hand off my can. Keep your can out Perf. of my way. <laughs> uh, yeah, moving on. Yeah, uh, th- those, those are really the only two games I played apart from the Demetrius um, uh, playable demo that I talked about previously. Uh, mm-hmm. Go support the guy. He's a one-man development team. I'll send you the link to his Kickstarter. Please do. Mm-hmm. All right, Bianca, how about you? Oh, I actually played a bunch of stuff this week, and you'll all be happy to know I'm not repeating anything I played for the last two or three weeks. Hooray! First on the top of my list is Gone Home, and I played Yay! that. <laughs> Yay! About and I time. played that under a cap under a double a shot of double espresso cappuccino binge. Oh yeah, that's right, you did. Yeah, yeah uh, you were being respectful of it, were you? Not really? particularly. I was so I was so uh, enthusiastic to watch her play. I just couldn't do it anymore. You you quite wore out my patience with the way you were playing that game. But then you got serious. Yeah, I spent the first half of it being a jackass. Well, it, it draws you in, doesn't it? I, I went into it uh, completely cold, late at night, wife's asleep on the uh, mattress on the floor, and I was just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I'll just, you know, knock off an hour or two, have, have a beer or something. And I sat completely stone sober, by the way, played through for for four hours, just walking around and really getting engrossed in it. I mean, I, I, did, I did what you did, Bianca, first. I, I just, you know, picked up random, you know, <laughs> toilet paper rolls and stuff and started stacking them on top of each other. Going, this has got to make sense somehow. And then eventually, you know... I got led more and more into the story. By the end of it, you know, lump in my throat, everything. Brian will tell you. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. No, she played it by uh, going into the first area, <laughs> finding Christmas duck and wedging it between the, the shitter and the wall. I didn't wedge <laughs> it between the shitter and the wall. I carefully and lovingly placed it on the toilet. Okay, my mistake. Actually, do you, do you, know, the, do you know the Easter egg with, uh, um, with Christmas duck? Yeah, I've heard. It doesn't interest me at all. That's very annoying. It doesn't actually do anything. I was just, I was actually asking Bianca. Oh, um, sorry. I knew there was an Easter egg. I forgot what it was. And I was like, um, do I want to do this? Oh, I can't um, remember what I do. Do I do something? There's, there's, there's no point to it. You just pick up a Christmas duck and you go, once you hit the attic, uh, you just, there's a little nest for him and you can put him down and it just goes, yay. Don't you also have to like carry it with you for the whole game? Because I tried just placing it at the end of my last playthrough and the thing in the uh, attic and I didn't get the achievement. No, it doesn't. doesn't well, there are maybe no achievements for that game. Maybe there's a Steam achievement for it. I don't know. I, I, I've i never seen the point of Steam achievements. I'm not that competitive. No, um, me neither. Oh, there's there's another Easter egg. This one you might actually enjoy. Because it, it, for a really serious game with a really, you know, touching story, uh, this Easter egg is just balls out insane. Um, you can, uh, it, if you go into the garage and look up at the beams um, uh, in the ceiling, there's a little ball. And if you, if you can somehow pick up an object and sort of knock this ball onto the ground, you pick up the ball. You go up to um, you go up to your sister's room, 
close the door and uh, on the doors of basketball hoop. And if you can put the uh, ball through the hoop, the uh, lights go out, uh, disco lights turn on, the TV turns on, showing pictures of cats, and you hear the cat's diary, which is basically just meow, meow, meow. That's friggin' great. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so weird. And, oh, fantastic. Thank God I didn't stumble on that uh, during my first playthrough because I was just, oh my God, will they ever get back together? Where, is that ghost coming for me? And such. I was all Oh, over I this know. Game. I'm like, uh, is there something in here? It was like, okay, this house doesn't look like abandoned, but there's nobody home. What's going on? This is weird. I was shitting my pants every time I had to turn on a light. Uh, every time I start the game now, I always start it with uh, all the lights turned on because I'm, I'm scared of the dark, really. Uh, so, yeah. Fuck that. Fuck that noise. And, I, you know, I spent the entire time just walking around going, there's a ghost coming for me. I know there's a ghost coming for me. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. But uh, still, uh, it, it's, it's sort of implied that Oscar is actually haunting the uh, the mansion. Uh, I mean, how how much did you delve into uh, you know the backstory? Not the uh, uh, not not the uh, you know teenage love story, but uh, you know the entire story with the father. And, oh, uh, I went all the way in. Like I looked at everything. I picked up everything. I threw stuff. Hell, I took a whole, I I tore apart the entire fridge and dishwasher, just <laughs> as part of my. Uh, <laughs> as Ryan can tell you, everything got moved as I went through. I don't know if that was necessarily part of the story. But, oh, they put the peas behind the ice cream. It all makes sense now. <laughs> I tore apart the freezer, so I went into everything. So, yeah, I went into the whole backstory and everything. When those parents get back, they are going to be pissed. <laughs> did you get Did you get into the safe? Yes. Okay, good. There's, there's, I mean, it's it's possibly a more uh, horrifying story than anything else. The uh, whole story with the uh, dad and, uh, you know, your uncle and such. Yeah, it's all terrible. Yeah, that was weird. It's like, this, this is locked. I must get into this. I have got to know what's in there. Let me in. Yeah, you found all the all the, the codes and everything, didn't you? Yep, I found all the codes, all the secrets. And I'm telling oh Brian to stop telling me what to do. Let me just do this. Yeah, it doesn't my lip. My, my first playthrough, I was just, you know, I spent the entire four hours just not getting into the backstory at all. I was just, you know, really dying to see what what, what was going to happen with Sam and Lonnie and uh, uh, got all choked up by the end of it. And I was like, oh, good, good. Um, and then I, um, it was, it was, an, I was on holiday, actually. No, a vacation, whatever you call it. I was a stay-at-home vacation kind vacation? of Vacation? Staycation, exactly. So uh, I had the, uh, uh, you know, the next day off and I, you know... Uh, I just, you know, finished off with my beer, as you know, you do after a good experience, and uh, and just sat there and watching a let's play of some dude going through the story, and he was picking up on all this shit that I hadn't noticed on my first run through, and I just went, okay, so people are complaining there's no replayability in this game. Fuck these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, hmm, I wonder, is the mother cheating? On yes, I- she is. Yeah, that's what I was starting to think. Is she though? Oh, there are- yeah, yeah, she is. There's a uh, um, the letters to Carol. A, there, there's a concert a gig receipt, and uh, she got her hair done. And she recommended this uh, forest ranger guy for a promotion, and gave him a you know five star mark and all this. And yeah, I know. The, uh, the, the retreat mm-hmm. that the parents are going to is actually a couples counseling retreat. Yeah, that's we figured out. But oh we, right. Yeah. Oh, but see, so yeah, yeah, we saw the receipt for the tickets. But if you open up one of the panels in the wall, there is one ticket for that show in the panel of yeah, the wall, as if she didn't go. As if she considered it, but never followed through with it. Mm-hmm. That's how I took it anyway. 
Well, maybe I took it like she, she was at a crossroads and she never really took the last step. Yeah. Instead, she decided to go be, to counseling. No, if you check the dates with the uh, you know the hairdresser's receipt and the uh, ticket stub, which I also think has been you know, I don't know how tickets work in America, but you like tear off a part of it and yeah, uh, that, the the part's been torn off. The, the uh, ticket has been used. That's why. That's why I thought she'd been in it. Like it was just trying, and I think yeah, that's why I thought too. I thought it looked like she tried to conceal it. Okay. Yeah, and and you know she, she went and got her hair done, and if you if you check the date, she got her hair done the day before the the gig, I think. So why uh, would you go get your hair done and get all gussied up and then not go? This is true. So, okay. Uh, anyway, I love the fucking game. Yep, I love the subtlety of all these little details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Very pro- provocative. Great game. And I'm so I'm so glad the game ends the way it does because I was spoiler. Uh, I thought I was walking into a suicide. Uh, and and so did so did most most of the other let's players I've uh, seen play the game. They're just like, oh my god, what am I gonna find in the attic? I know. And I was like those red lights. I'm like, I am not going anywhere near that. Let's go this way. I kept. I'm like, okay, I can stay in the rest of the house, but I don't want to go near the attic. Why do I have to go near the attic? What am I gonna find? What horrible stuff? Well, I guess if find? they do, if uh, Agustin Cortez ever does a sequel, then we can expect that ending, right? No, then you can expect a lot of fucking telephone calls. Oh yeah. Come <laughs> <laughs> get me. I'm, and I, I have to play nice with Augustin because uh, one of the games I'm going to talk about in our uh, main topic actually has something to do with him, and he's a very lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, that he is. Yeah. So moving on my, down my list, um, there is a huge Telltale uh, sale on Steam, so I picked myself up a few games. I got myself the Monkey Island uh, episodes, and I also got myself Hector. It comes in three episodes. I just finished the first episode. Detective Inspector Hector is this basically it's set in Clapsreek, some crap hole in England. He's just this really rough around the edge detective and very British. Very British. Wait a minute, Inspector Detector Hector. Does he use vector graphics? uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, it's raster. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's a letdown. I know. They're setting you up and everything. Mm So it's just, he has, so he, he's just this little tubby cunt of a man who goes out did you and say has, tubby cunt? Yes, I did. <laughs> he goes out and has to deal with I the soap it. dodging I, I, maggots. I want to I get a new cat and name him Tubby Cunt. <laughs> I have a tubby cunt right here. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> and you basically go and you deal, you, you're out to deal with a uh, terrorist slash hostage and his demands are essentially to, for you to make Clappers Reek a better town, in, in order for him not to kill the hostages. And you're bit, and you're essentially just really cranky, and you don't want to do this. Yeah, you're basically this cranky policeman. It's like very British and very pessimistic and very like snarky and foul mouthed. I think you would probably enjoy the tone of this troll. Oh, I love it already. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's pretty it's quite good. Funny. Yeah, but I have two more British. episodes to play. It's super mm-hmm. British, and just the, uh, I don't know what half the insults mean, but they make me giggle. Oh, and is there only, like, one voice actor for the whole I think there might game? have just been, like, one or two voice actors. It's act- so funny. I mean, the, the one guy will do, like, like uh, tiny old women and uh, burly, burly strong men and, and all this falsetto stuff. It's very funny. Yeah. Very much Python-y, actually. Yeah. You know, little pepper pot women and such. Yeah. 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 And of course, there's. It's. I wouldn't exactly call this PG. I think it was. Called, it was definitely an R game, given the language, all the sex innuendo, swearing, and uh, drug. Oh, references. you've made your sale, lady. Oh yeah, really. <laughs> Too bad it's not on sale anymore. Yeah, it was. It was a cute. It was a good game. 
And it has a re and what I liked is it had a good built-in hint system. So if you mm. got stuck, you could actually go into the game and look up the hints. And it gave you the hints in two different ways, either straight up or in the form of riddles. Mm. And it is a point-and-click adventure game, yeah? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. I've been kind of down on, on Telltale games uh, since, well, ever, really, because I was really excited to play Tales of Monkey Island, and then I played some of the first episode, and it might have been because the Wii was just fucking chugging along, uh, yeah. but it really didn't grab me, and, and Fred has been on my case ever since I admitted that, and has just said, please stick with it, you're going to love it, and I've just been giving him the finger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't and, love Which it. one? Uh, <laughs> the naughty one. <laughs> He's used to it. Uh, and uh, then I played uh, Sam and Max. And, uh, yeah, well, I was really excited because, you know, fucking Sam and Max Hit the Road is one of my favorite adventure games. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it didn't quite work for me. I know the humor is closer to what the comics were, but uh, yeah, the characters are kind of annoying and the puzzles are kind of annoying and such. Uh, so I didn't really beat the first ep the first season of that either. Then I got into Back to the Future, which was a really good idea, in my opinion, to do an adventure game based on Back to the Future. But again, the puzzles were fucking lame. And, it was slow, uh, that game, I thought. Yeah, it was an interesting concept. It's just the execution wasn't well done. I think we finished the first one and started the second one, yeah, but we just never stopped caring. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. So I've been kind of down on uh, Telltale games in general. And then my wife picked up uh, The Walking Dead on That's the iPhone, one. not knowing that it was an adventure game. And the first thing I saw, I mean, I know you guys have been praising The Walking Dead. I probably should stick with it, too. But the first thing I saw when she played it was a fucking QTE sequence. And I just went, nah, nope, nope. We're really going down this road, guys. Fuck it. Yep, yep. They're they're inescapable. It's true. Yeah, fuck, then if, you, if you don't like those things, then you really shouldn't get the Game of Thrones one either. I love the Game of Thrones one, personally. It gave me my fix between seasons last time. It's and exactly now, the same game as Walking Dead, though. It is exactly it? the same game, but it's Game of Thrones. No, I have nothing. I want a new season of Game of Thrones. Woo! I got no also known as uh, yeah. Also known as what? Also known as blood porn. Blood porn. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Or, done by George R. Martin. <laughs> Yes. If you're those of you who are wondering the reasons for his middle that re, wondering why I said his name like that is a while back I actually tried to I was starting to read the first book I had a misprinted version of the novel and it wasn't like the pages were printed out of order I got duplicates of like a hundred pages. Yeah, yeah. And was, I'm like, I can't, this is, it was utterly unreadable. I took it to the bookstore, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, can I just get a replacement, please? The girl looked through it, I'm like, I'll go see if we have another one. She just, she didn't even ask me if I had a receipt. I told her I bought it at Christmas. Well, you wanted a replacement for a different one, so. Yeah, and I got the exact same copy back, but I was surprised that she didn't ask me for a receipt, and even though I told her, even though it was more than, like, Four months. So that's George Error. Well, what, what, what is he, he going to accuse you of? Of going home and just, you know, manually stitching in duplicate uh, pages just to get a <laughs> refund? That seems like a lot of effort. That's right. You bought two copies, you mangled them both, and now you're doing this big scam where you'll get two of the same copies back. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really demented scam. The oldest scam. trick in the book. Yep. No pun intended. Yep. Let's move. See, moving down my list. Oh. This game I bought. This is a game I bought for seventy six cents. I wasn't. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was uh, some two of the tags on it were, um, I believe, psychological horror and walking sim. Ooh, it's, I'm sold. It's called the Moon Sliver. 
Oh, is this, yeah, the first person one? Yeah. yeah. Brian watched me play this. Yeah, a little, man. It was quite Is that your disinterested sound? Very much so. <laughs> okay. I quite enjoyed it. It was uh, one of these games, it was had. It seemed to have absolutely no direction at first. I stand, I go, you're starting in this house, it's absolutely pitch black. Your flashlight has only so much life to it, so you have to charge your flashlight. Uh -huh. Okay, that's my disinterested sound. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was very similar to the Penumbra games made by the people who made Asylum later on, which didn't interest me either. But go on. But the flashlight didn't run out right away. Like I got a pretty good life out of it, and there were plenty of plugs around where you could recharge it, and it was fine. Like it didn't. Like you didn't have to worry about um, having to keep your flashlight on all the time because for the most part of the game, when you were outside, it was decently lit. Like you could get around without too, without your flashlight too much. Mm -hmm. um, Sounds like a really unnecessary game mechanic, though. But although uh, in hindsight, um, or in what the hell am I talking about? Uh, but uh, Looking at the horror genre, I mean, flashlights never work in horror fiction. Exactly. I mean, every every scene where someone gets out a flashlight, and my wife and I watch a lot of horror movies, and every time someone gets a flashlight out, you know the scene is coming where they where they bash the flashlight against their hand and it goes out, and then when it comes back on, boom, there's blood everywhere. So. Uh -huh. Yeah, but it wasn't one of those. It was all like there's just shadows, and everything looked like the shadows were done. Interestingly, so that way when you first looked around, it's like these, just these shadows kind of dancing. You couldn't tell what was there. You turn on your flash, then you realize you're starting in your cab, in your house. It's just like a simple hut. And you go out the door, and it's and the first thing you read, that the text that flashes on the bottom of your screen is, there were, yesterday there were four people on this island. Now there's just one. Okay. Is, is, is there like a survival horror element to this? No, like, like there is amnesia? This is not amnesia. Just a walking simulator? Yeah, it's not like amnesia at all. I have it. Okay, I have good. amnesia dark descent, by the way, and I will. I'm I'm, I'm back on this train. Yeah, nah. and I and I'm talk, and I'll talk about amnesia in the Don't next time we finish up nah. the scary games. Nah. So this one is interesting because you walk around the island and you pick, and as you're looking through all this, all you, as you're looking past these things, you're getting bits and pieces of the story, kind of in the theme of Gone Home, but not as organized. So and so you can walk around. You're getting. It's, you get more and more of the story as you go along, and every time you go back outside after you pass a certain benchmark, it gets a little darker outside. And there's and there's one place you can never you cannot go into unless you until it's absolutely dark out until night has fallen. And mm -hmm. as you're walking around, you pick up keys. You learn the story of these four people: Daniel, um, Abe. They're all they're all named Daniel. <laughs> El Daniel, what's his face? What's his lie? What's his uh, and uh, Isa and and Ella, and you uh, you don't know who you are, but you know that there's these four people, and that there is a certain amount of distrust. And as you go through, you get more of a feel for the story behind these people, and you, you develop like this a sense of who they were, what they did, how their life was. But you, but you come to realize that this island wasn't quite so desolate as it is as it appears now. And oh, I'm really intrigued with this, <laughs> and I also like the uh, you know piecing stuff together sort of asynchronously because that's that's one of the things that the seventh guest did really really well. Trying to piece that. I mean, Daniel Stacy and I. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Daniel. He uh, he was the uh, writer on uh, AGD Interactive's uh, King's Quest uh, two and three remakes. Um, oh yeah, and and mages in the initiation and such. Uh, uh, 
good old friend of mine. Uh, we spent an entire evening when he was uh, visiting, uh, just just trying to piece together the story of the seventh guest, uh, ah. which is yeah, it's uh, which uh, by the way, uh, spoiler is not possible. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> Yep. But I, I really, I really like the idea of, of yeah. piecing together a story out of because uh, you know, Gone Home is very linear. You, you get it; it's very you know uh, chronological. You go from uh, point A to point B to point C to uh, uh, suicide. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh, sorry, I'm rambling again. Please go on. So essentially, uh, you do get it in pieces, but then you can kind of go back as you're going through and trying to find the next thing. It kind of you kind of begin to get the story in. It almost appears chronological order, and you can put it together however you feel makes sense. And there's, and you don't really need the flashlight that much until almost the very end. Well, this is her story all over again, except no video. Exactly. With, you know, with the piecing together and mm -hmm. stuff. Hmm. But yeah, in, but the end was just the weirdest thing because it's like you just you you're walking. Your flashlight won't work anymore, but that's okay. At the very end, the flashlight just doesn't work. But you finally see, but then you can, you kind of know where to go at this point, And it just keeps making sense as you go. And you just get all the rest of the story at the end. And it's oddly satisfying. What, what was the name of this? I want to I play this. It's called The Moon Sliver. The Moon Sliver. It's one of those unfortunate things where if you read it, it looks like The Moon Silver. That's what I thought it was. It's The Moon Sliver. S-L-I-V-E-R. Moon sliver, another yeah. word for asshole. <laughs> oh, you, uh, you you forgot one uh, part about the game. What? <laughs> Shut up, Brian. <laughs> he didn't like it. I was like, I was just looking around, and every time it gets a little darker, it's like, what am I missing? Is there something Wait. there? But as I'm Brian, looking around, I'm like, why, why, why didn't you like it? I mean, this sounds right up your alley. I just peeked over at it superficially here and there. I didn't really, I don't know anything about it except for... The presentation, which reminded me a lot of Penumbra. You ever play Penumbra? I uh, played the demo of it. Uh, sir, if you've only uh, looked over uh, briefly at it, uh, then I would say your reaction is... Um, what's the word I'm Superficial. looking for? Superficial. It's uh, unwarranted well, and Yes, of course it is. Mm -hmm. I admit that readily. I'll, 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 I guess I'll give it a try. Bianca did want me to play it. I'll, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. I'll give it a try. Mm -hmm. I want I want people to make more of those so-called walking simulator games. I'm really all over this genre. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it gets a lot of shit from quote-unquote real gamers. Fuck you, people. Uh, I, I, I really like it. I mean, uh, watching, uh, you know, The Beginner's Guide, I thought that was a spectacular way of telling a story. And really, that's what I've, that, that's why I got into, into adventure games in the first place. I, I You know, I had this big rant on Twitter. Um this is why I, I got into this. You have rant 140 characters. <laughs> a lot of 140 characters. <laughs> um, it's it's you know the idea of delving into a story that you have some sort of interactive uh, participation in. I've always thought that adventure games were sort of the next logical step from you know uh, campfire tales, cave paintings, uh, written media, film, and then you go adventure games. Now you're just and and walking simulators really hit it for me. Um, Again, I'm rambling. Uh, shut the fuck up, trolls. Yeah, shut the fuck up, trolls. <laughs> Next on my list is Missing Thriller Episode 1. Brian got this and uh, had me enter the code into my Steam list. Is this such a Canadian game? Once we realized, it's like, we were like. Well, I don't know if it's such a Canadian. It is a Canadian game, but it wasn't really that telltale Canadian. Until you get to the second scene, it was like, ugh. Oh, just so you see the, the, the license plates. It was recorded, I think, in Montreal, Quebec. Yeah. 
I've got this one too. I'm really, I'm, I'm gonna play this on my YouTube channel. I'm really looking forward to. it. Oh, you should, you should. You're gonna love the first puzzle. It's an FMV puzzle game. Oh, it's the first puzzle. puzzle is so retarded. The first puzzle makes no sense. It gave me the worst possible first impression. And I don't think we're spoiling anything by telling what the first puzzle is. It's a slider it? puzzle, and you're in handcuffs. Yeah, you're hand. <laughs> you're handcuffed. That's all you need to know is you're in handcuffs, and you have a slider puzzle. You're handcuffed to the wall, and the way no, you're not to the ceiling, and the way that you get out of the handcuffs is by solving a sliding tile puzzle. Like with what though? Oh shit! I thought I thought you were going to say okay. The uh, worst adventure game puzzle I've ever come across um, was the first puzzle in the X Files game. You're an FBI agent, a decorated FBI agent, no less. Who were you decorated with garland and uh, tinsel? Sorry, <laughs> I said, were you decorated with garland and tinsel? <laughs> yes, he's a Christmas tree, my dear. Um, <laughs> No, he, he can't. He, you, you have to get on your your FBI computer, and you have to look around his office to find out what the fucking password is. He can't remember his own goddamn password. Oh, um, that is just a that is. Well, it was the early nineties, given the uh, F, given the uh, X file time frame, so it was natural that you probably had your password written down because those were uh, your standard security practices. Yeah, but if you don't have the mind for details like that. Like, if you've written down your password somewhere, then how good of an investigator can you be? He hasn't even written it down. You have to look at every, you know, photo and painting and shit in his office. Uh, and who am I again? <laughs> yeah. And it turns out it, it's it, it's on a vacation photo from some place he went. And it doesn't even make any sense as a password. It's I, I can I can spoil this. It's Shiloh. S-H-I-L-O-H. Hmm. Apparently, that's a, that's a location somewhere. And he has this you know, you say? How photo. do you spell it? S H I L O H. Yeah, sounds familiar. I, I don't know. Me neither. Never heard of it. Um, and, that, and that's that's his password. So so you have to, you have to sort of you, you just look around his office, just type in weird shit until you stumble across the right one, and it just takes for fucking ever. That's like right uh, out of Phantasmagoria two, basically. Uh, no, Phantasmagoria two didn't have any puzzles at all. Um, well, there was a thing where you had to figure out your password by looking around your own office. Was there? Oh, that one was easy. It's this fucking rat. It's his rat. Come on, everyone. I mean, that that one was so fucking obvious. There's yeah. a huge picture uh, on his desk of his rat, and under it, it says blob. And you right. just go, oh, okay, that's the dude's password. I get it. Right. Um. Um. Let's see. What the hell was gonna say? I'm yeah. Train of thought lost. Crappy Sorry. puzzles. Uh-huh. Uh. Yeah. Crappy puzzles. Well, that was it. That was, that was one. Um. Um. The Sorry. stupid sewer puzzle in. Uh... Broken sword, I forget which one, and you have to do that really awful sliding puzzle to get into the sewer. Yeah, uh, Ben and Francisco talked about that puzzle once, I believe, on their. I think it was on their podcast. Maybe it was on ours. Yeah. It was in the director's cut version of yeah. the first Broken Sword game, where you get to a sewer, yeah, uh, and you there's a sliding tile puzzle to unlock this locked sewer. And luckily, you play the only person in the city who knows how to solve a sliding tile puzzle because it keeps everybody <laughs> else out of it. Yeah, apparently. Well, it's so annoying enough that it actually should keep everyone else in. <laughs> but it trained you how to just... do this thing in the game, at least. And there's a few sliding tile puzzles in missing. Yeah. Can we just can we just put out a a call to everyone who wants to re-release their old masterpieces and do director's cut or special editions or whatever? Uh, adding content that involves sliding tile puzzles is not adding content; it is adding bullshit. It's I'm looking adding... at you, Gabriel Knight Twentieth. I'm looking at oh. you, Broken Sword Director's Cut. Fuck off. It's not adding value anyway. It's just no. adding. It's adding busy work. Yeah. yeah. Adding shit. That's what it is. Shit. Yeah. And last on my list for this week is uh, Hero Siege. Oh, yeah, which we played last night together. Mm-hmm. In another, were we on another caffeine binge? We were. We get great things done on caffeine binges. 
Yep, I gave I had we had a can of Red Bull, nice big one. Um, I asked my, my dad had asked me the day before, hey, I'm going out. Do you need me to bring you anything? I'm like, uh, can you bring me some Red Bull, please? Grabbed him by the collar and shouted, Red Bull, Red Bull. I'm running low. Hurry. Uh, he's like, sure. Come back with two giant cans. Says there were two for five. Got him at shopper at Shoppers Drug Mart during on with his seniors' day discount. Oh, nice. <laughs> they discount energy drinks for seniors. What a world we live in. That sounds weird. That's that's a great civic benefit of living in Canada, people. We have government-subsidized energy drinks for the elderly. Welcome to Canada. Keep some energy drink. Keep some spry. You look over 60. Here, have some energy. I got my dad to actually try Red Bull. He said it was the worst thing he ever tried. He thought I was like, drinking gasoline. and But he could take me a drink, half a can anyways, and said he was so wired he couldn't drink the other half. I'm going, I'm thinking... Well, no kidding. <laughs> I drink half. I drink a full can, and I'm not wired yet. Give me another can. Glug, glug, glug. But the very first Red Bull we ever had that that kicked our butts. <laughs> we built up a tolerance to whatever battery acid this is. Yeah, we not this battery acid. Care. Here, have a heart attack. Exactly. And heart attack, second language. Whatever. <laughs> so, so Hero Siege. Yeah. I've talked about this on the podcast briefly before, but do you want to remind people what kind of a game it is? This is a roguelike game where you get to create your own, uh, where you pick one of uh, several characters, and you get your, you get a class, and you walk around, you shoot shit, top down. What is it? Isolinear or top down? It's, uh, which, yeah, top down. Which of your categories is it in? Oh, yeah, which of your categories did you put it in? Let's see. I think you people would be happy to know it's probably in one of my saner categories. Uh, oh, here uh, we I'm go. Disappointed this now. is under. RPG colon adventure. How is this an RPG, a colon or an adventure? It's most has, it's most in common with a colon. <laughs> it's a top down shooting game, basically. You stole my joke, sir. Sorry. <laughs> it's still better than uh, most of my other categories. Let's see what other categories did I play this oh, week. Oh we yeah, go. PNC adventure colon PNC? modern. That was what I filed. Hector under. PNC. I don't think I've ever heard it abbreviated that way. Point and click is what I can... It sounds like some, like, malady of the ass. I've got a bad case yeah, of PNC. I can't come to work today. I was going to say, there's a lot of rectums in your categories, man. <laughs> Maybe in his, not mine. Well, actually, I don't think he uses any categories. Yeah, I deleted all my categories. I used to have every all my Steam games categorized, but I deleted them all because I didn't like the categories things were in. And, for those of you wondering, the Moon Sliver is actually in a very good category. No. Atmospheric. Atmospheric. How specific? <laughs> as opposed to what? As opposed, as opposed to, to the uh, you have Brian, a category for mundane. As opposed to <laughs> bore Brian out of his mind five thousand and one. Oh, you can move it into that into that category. <laughs> so anyway, Hero Siege. The two of us tried playing it uh, co-op for the first time. It's basically it's usually a single player game, but they have a beta. Uh, online server and it actually let us play on the land which was nice yeah we got although we had this we got it set up but not, not after uh cursing our uh horrible horrible router modem combination that we got from our isp oh no that worked fine it was just i don't know i think it's because <laughs> we tried to play on the internet from the same land so we got to play on land mode instead yeah so it worked it, it was worked, fun but uh <laughs> we had to enable one of our ports first yeah, we had to do uh, virtual server port forwarding. That's yeah, right. unfortunately, it, and uh, but and it didn't look like it initially took because it, for some reason this router takes forever to load. If we're do, if we're looking at it, if we're looking at the uh, if we're looking at it, um, oh, the, at the admin console, at the admin admin console, yes, it's slow. Anyway, we got it to work and it was fun. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, that sounds like a lot of effort to get a game running. For some reason, I'm reminded of when Akago and I figured out that you could get Hitachi running and you could actually play Carmageddon over TCP IP. And then we got uh, Joe and Akago and Ben Chandler and myself to play Carmageddon. Oh, yeah. And, and we recorded a YouTube video of it, and it was just just a train wreck, and <laughs> not in the good way, because the lag was just so horrible. It's It's just... It's four people driving around a track going, where the hell am I? Where's everyone else? Yeah, they're playing a real-time multiplayer action game from, like, three different continents. Yeah, And, it, and the game's, like, 20 years old. That's too funny. I should, you know, send you the link to that one, because it's really just... It's a, it's, like, it's, it's a train wreck. Really. I laughed so hard listening to the description of it on your podcast. I'd love to see the video. <laughs> I will send you the link, sir. Actually, I, I should. Uh, speaking of uh, energy and caffeine and such, I should probably go get myself another coke. Please do. Mm-hmm. And while you do that, why don't you tell? No. Your, oh, you're not. We're going to uh, sit here and twiddle our thumbs. Yeah, we're going to twiddle. Well, maybe I should go do it now instead of looking for the video. Then. Oh, uh, sure. Yep. We're doodling. Be right back. This party is BYOM. Bring your mayonnaise! I'm leaving that in. Hmm? I'm leaving that in. You're leaving that in? Yep. (laughs) Is that how I opened it last week? I forget. No, that's what you put in when uh, Hudson Hay. I can go when AFK. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, new comment. True. I mean, they would have been locked. Yeah, I see what you mean, but I I do agree they would have been uh, locked, but probably not enough for him to reach because his arms were spread out like this. Yeah, I remember with the key, he had to like, I'm, if he, he could reach it. well, he could grab it with his hand. He, he went, that much. He blew at it, and then it came to him. And he grabbed it with his mouth. Yeah, but if his hand. I'm back. Let's do the shit. Yep. Yeah. And so now Brian's gonna regale us with the boring crap he played this week, and we're gonna pretend to be interested. Mm. I am interested. <laughs> All right, I'll be quick because we've been taking a while. Um, oh, the most exciting thing I played. Most exciting thing I played this week was Hoyle's Book of Games from like 1989 or something like that. An old Sierra. Oh, it was a Sierra game. I played this as a kid and I loved this game. I played it on my first computer, my 8086. Uh, just like parlor games of various sorts, you can play uh, solitaire or you can play. Uh, Old Maid, or I think uh, Cribbage, or Hearts, stuff like that, just like card games. And um, you can choose the characters that you play the games with. So there's some, like the, the there's a, a programmer <laughs> in there, and an artist is in there, but you can also play with Leisure Suit Larry, and King Graham, and uh, you can play with Roger Wilco, and uh, Rosella. So that's kind of a charming little thing. It's a kid's game, but... Yeah, uh, I think uh, Josh Mandel wrote uh, the text for those games. Oh, I wonder. I should uh, I should uh, take a look. I'm not entirely sure, though. I'm not uh, but he sure. Did, he did ghostwriting for pretty much everything Sierra put out in the uh, 90s. Oh, so he may not have been in the credits? Mm. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, the uh, Space Quest 1 VGA remake, uh, he pretty much, you know, wrote all the text that wasn't directly copy-paste from the uh, original. Ah. Uh, got no credit. Hmm. hmm. 
Interesting. Well, I, I don't know whether... There was some dialogue, but not very much in this. But somebody had to write it. It could very well have been him. Yeah, he did the uh, Jones in the Fast Lane as well. That's right. I love the writing in that game, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I played a piece-of-shit game for the second time, and I don't know why I bothered. It's because I've been in the mood to play first-person shooters lately, and i played all the good ones, especially now that i finished Doom 3 recently. I played uh, Medal of Honor, the one that was made in 2011. And it sucks. It totally sucks, and I don't know why I wasted my time on it. It's stupid, and I played the whole thing to the very end. And I am less satisfied having finished it than I was when I was in the mood to play a shooter. So it was like it was like being thirsty and drinking salt water, basically. <laughs> uh, I don't recommend it. Don't waste your money on it, no matter how cheap it gets. It's not worth your time. Unless you play multiplayer, which I don't think anyone plays it anyway, but... Who cares about multiplayer? That's boring. Kids, Brian has been virtually self-flagellating, so you don't have to. Basically. Um, I played a little bit of a game. When was this from? This might have been from 2010, 2009 or something. It's called Gun, which is the stupidest name possible for a game. Oh, I know that game. It's I haven't a, played it, but I, I, I looked at the... Here's uh, the game. It's called it and it just went, what? Walking. They're really running out of game title ideas, aren't they? I think so. Oh, here's another game. Let's play Trunk. <laughs> oh, let's play Button Press 5000. I know. Sequel, the sequel to Gun is called Sword. Mm -hmm. <laughs> May as well be. Well, this is this game is uh, it's like an Old West Grand Theft Auto kind of a game, more or less. Um, the expansion is called Bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> I hope so. So it's uh, I've, I've played and finished it maybe twice or so over the years, and I'm glad that it still runs on... Uh, modern PC. The, I think it's locked at 30 frames per second or something, so the performance is kind of poor no matter what you mm -hmm. do or what you run it on. Plus, it's locked to 4 by 3 aspect ratio, but that doesn't and bother me so much. Right. No, it actually ran very well, despite running it on Windows 10. I don't even think Windows 7 was out when this game was created, so that's nice enough. And then it locks you in your room, and it breaks you. No, like, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. Yeah, it reminded, the, the uh, graphics reminded me of Call of Juarez. Yeah, a little bit. Well, it's the whole... Old West kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. It does look pretty dated. I think it might have been a PlayStation 1 game at the time. Maybe PlayStation 2. It must have been PlayStation 2. So it looks kind of dated, but it's got good motion capture. It has great voice acting. The story is not much, but it's something. And the setting is just what you're there for, because it's all the Old West kind of tropes. You have your your six-gun and your rifles and bow and arrows. You have uh, cowboys and Indians and the Mexicans. and uh, You get to go through a couple of towns where you get to play as the deputy sheriff and keep the town from trouble. And you get to roam around in the in the desert wilderness and stuff like that. So it's a really fun game, and I do recommend it. Nice Did you catch yourself, uh, you know, walking into a room and going, I shot the sheriff? No, I did not, as a matter of fact. Of all the, yeah. I, 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 I shot the sheriff and the deputy. And the deputy, <laughs> I am the deputy. I don't usually get reggae in my mind while I'm playing an old Western game. And unlike other Western games, yeah, it doesn't have any electric guitar. They reggae in the old West, didn't they? Didn't they? Mm, um, as far as I know. Unlike other other games of this, saloon, it's saloon music. It was a saloon. But you sound like Jar Jar when you put on it. Doesn't she? <laughs> so un um, unlike other uh, other recent Old West games, there's saloon. no shut up. There's no electric guitar because that is a huge pet peeve of mine when a game about a historical period has electric guitars in it because it like. That's what their that's what their demographic marketing department said resonates with the uh, with children or whatever. 
So fuck oh, that. Sh- don't put don't put electric guitar in your historical games, please. I was I was watching uh, we're, we're we're watching American Horror Story uh, season four right now, the Freak Show, and it takes place in the fifties, I believe. Mm. And uh, the first episode, one of the characters goes out and starts belting out uh, "Life on Mars" by David Bowie, which came out in the early seventies. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, what the? Is that show any good, by the way? I love it. Mm. I love the first two seasons, especially. Uh, the third didn't really. Get me uh, too much Fleetwood Mac, and the fourth one, yeah, it's it's better. But uh, I, you know, the first one is absolutely amazing. The second one is downright fucking, uh, uh, you know, gets under your skin. It's really, you know, depressing and downtrodden and such. Uh, and uh, you know, the fourth one is pretty good. And the fifth one, I'm told, takes place in a hotel and has Lady Gaga in it. So, yeah. uh, I see. Well, I, I think horror and adventure games are both things that you really have to treat with a lot of, uh, I don't know, you have to give it a lot of respect and a lot of, like, you have to have a light hand, I guess, if you're going to do it episodically. Because both of those really are going to hate my list of games then. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> episodic things, you, you have to justify making it, making it episodic. Usually yeah. horror is something that you're told a quick story and it, there's a very final resolution of one way or another. So to make that into a series... You need to be the Stephen to King of writers. Fuck Stephen King. <laughs> Fine. Um, John Saul. Don't know who that is. Okay. And Rice. Uh, Ugh, boring game. Christian yeah. vampire later. Well, at least she didn't give us Twilight. She had series anyway. I don't know. I'll, I'll say, uh, I'll say uh, uh, Clay Parker's Hellraiser is a very, very good one. Uh, although Ugh, that shit itself once, once The only thing that's worse than that was The Exorcist. Sorry? Uh, Clyde Barker's Hellraiser. Uh, that bear, that uh, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't that scary. I've only I seen like the, well. I, I like anything that has to do with hell. I've so. only seen the Pinhead guy. That's the right one. That right? is the uh, Hellraiser. Yeah, I've, I've, I've only seen like a picture of the guy. I've never seen the movie. So I'll, also, all four parts. I had a uh, horror. I had a uh, binge watching uh, weekend with a friend of mine. We rented a whole bunch of horror movies. Fell asleep during The Exorcist because it was so boring. It was like, oh, it's over. Yeah. Was any good? No, no. We decided really? it was not scary yeah. enough to justify being in our uh, rotation. Oh. Madam, I will see you after school. Bring friends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any friends. And if I bring them, they're lefty and righty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're awesome, dude. All right, only, the last thing I'll mention so we can get on with our topic is that uh, something was just released called Deus Ex Revision. And it's basically, it's, it was on Steam. It's like a free compilation of various mods and texture packs and stuff that kind of modernizes the original Deus Ex. Um, so I appreciated that. It's like five and a half gigs, which is crazy humongous. The game itself is like 700 megabytes. And you have to own the original game on Steam in order to download this thing on Steam. <laughs> but uh, it, it's great. I did the tutorial, and it kind of modernizes it nicely. The graphics look nice, and the controls are good, and it plays in high resolution and widescreen, and the mouse sensitivity is good for laser mice. So I'm going to finally... The, mm, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I believe uh, Deus Ex is on sale on Steam. I was looking at it uh, yesterday, I think, and I was just sitting there going through uh, uh, Steam's uh, sale things and just went, oh, well, Brian seems to like Deus Ex. Maybe I should, and, and yeah, I'm not going to. I've, um, the only... So you can yell at me now. Well, no, I, I um, tried to play the original Deus Ex a few times, but it was just it looks so dated that it's kind of hard to get into, despite being so highly praised. And then... Um, I played a little bit of the sequel, which was, I forget, inf- uh, I don't know. I don't remember what the name of the sequel was. I played a little bit of it. It didn't interest me that much. Then 
I saw screenshots and trailers of the latest Deus Ex, Human Revolution, which looked awesome to me, and I hated it with an intense passion. I thought it was really, really crappy, even though everybody loved that. So now I'm just going to try to give the original Deus Ex a try, which is by Warren Spector, I believe, who is a designer that I really, really admire. So I'll give it a fair shake. That's the only game that I think it will interest me in the whole series. So... Uh, Deus Ex Revision. I do recommend checking that out if you own it on Steam. And all the better if it happens to be on sale, because there's another Deus Ex game coming out not too long from now, I believe. So maybe that's they're Ooh. capitalizing on the hype. Mm. Mm. All right. Let's uh, let's get on with our topic, shall we? Yay! Uh, didn't you skip over one of the games you played? Yes, I did, but we were blah, blah, blind, so I want to uh, get to the topic. Right. I also played Audio Surf 2. Which is getting better all the time. I, I like that game a lot. Oh yeah, you, yeah. you tried two new games, Mario level and okay, Sonic wait. level. I'm just going to mention the name of it. Let's uh, let's continue though. Okay. So yes, we're going to talk about uh, games that we either planned to make and never did, or just got the idea for, and never got much further than that. Um, yeah. it's a good topic. Whoever suggested that is a fucking genius. I would agree. Well, we were going to talk about another good topic, which was uh, games with unconventional soundtracks or unconventional uses of soundtracks in games. We'll we'll definitely get to that. I'd love to talk about yeah. that with a music-minded person. And a topic I thought of, which I'm actually quite excited about, was <laughs> emergent gameplay. Which, which we'll we... talk about soon. But today we're talking about the thing we're talking about, which was Troll's idea. And thank oh, you very much. It was thought. a cool idea. <laughs> today we're talking about topics that we want to talk about. That's right, but never did. <laughs> oh, you mean we're going to get off this tangent? Yes. <laughs> so I would like to invite our guest Trolls to open oh. us up. Okay, cool. Uh, I've got a list of uh, games, because I usually get game ideas uh, when I'm sleeping, like in my, my dreams and my nightmares. And wow. Uh, and then I, then I, if I remember them the next day, I go into Google Docs and I write them down, and some of them are a bit more developed than others, uh, and some are not. Uh, so I've got a good list here of about 10 ideas, probably won't get through them all. Uh, but I, I figured we should do the sort of uh, Shark Tank kind of thing where I, you know, kind of pitch the idea to you and you tell uh, tell me if it's a good idea or not. Sure. you know, I have no objectivity whatsoever. Yeah, let's. Um, so I'm going to start with the most uh, recent one I had. Uh, it was um, it was a c cool dream, I thought, um, and it's not even an, an adventure game. Um, I was thinking of um, <clears throat> you wake up in a, uh, in you know, a house, uh, and it's it, you're like uh, you're like the uh, younger brother, uh, and you've got a sister, and you've got your parents and such, and it's kind of in the future, but not not as you know that far into the future. Um, so you've got uh, you know uh, self steering cars, and you've got uh, you know uh, uh, your appliances uh, are kind of computer controlled and such. Uh, and um, what you do is uh, during the night or sometime during the night, you've you've been uh, taken over by this parasite. And uh, you, you basically, um, your, your brain is being controlled by this parasite and uh, you're, not, you're no longer human. So you have to uh, assimilate other people, uh, kind of like, uh, like what they did in The, in the Thing. Uh, you, you sort of have to get people alone and then you have to assimilate them. And then once you've assimilated enough people, then you can you know, take over the earth or something. Okay. But, uh, but once you, when, when you start out, uh, the parasite, of course, doesn't know... Uh, human language doesn't understand the technology and such. So you you have to uh, you have to observe people. Uh, you know, observe your sister working the computer, working the cooker, and uh, you know, going to school. You have to uh, sort of um, uh, you know 
study people uh, to make sure you, that you're exhibiting human behavior. And then you, once you, uh, you know, uh, you know, learn the language and learn the technology and such, you can start, you know, telling people, hey, meet me after school. I've got something to show you. And then, uh, you know, boom, uh, you've assimilated someone. Uh, and I was thinking this is kind of like an open world uh, sandbox uh, game where, of course, you have your schedule. Uh, you have to get up in the morning, you have to go to school, you have to come home, you have to eat dinner and such, and you can go to the shopping mall and you can go basically wherever, you know, the family goes. Uh, but, um, you know, you just uh, have to not raise suspicion. You have to, you know, when you're uh, observing your sister on the computer, for instance, uh, I mean, if you if you stand there and look over her shoulder too much, you'll start to get suspicious. And uh, once the uh, suspicion starts uh, raising, uh, eventually someone will you know, call the FBI or uh, call the police or uh, call the uh, whoever investigates alien possession uh, and then, you know, game over. But if you have enough people assimilated, then you can sort of take over the entire town. And that's the end game. Huh. There's an idea. That's basically my pitch. That's as far as I go. That's really neat. So open world is how you're envisioning it, huh? Yeah. First person uh, uh, open world. And you basically, you know, wake up one morning and then you just go, what the hell? Oh, okay. I have to assimilate someone, but I don't speak the language. I mean, I was thinking like the HUD would be full of these alien symbols. Um, you know, one of them is like, uh, you know, how how much do you, do I think that the uh, population of the town is suspecting that I'm an alien? You have to sort of keep that meter down and such. And uh, the more you uh, learn uh, technology and learn the language, uh, then the more the HUD starts making sense uh, to, you know, the human player. Uh, that's how you. That's how you know that you've uh, you know acquired certain skills like language skills and computer skills and such. That's really neat. That kind of resonates with me, especially today, because we had brunch with my uh, parents and with my sister's family, and she has two who are young boys who are aliens. <laughs> no, she has. They have uh, two young boys, like uh, half a year and two years thereabouts. A little more than that, yeah, actually. Didn't kill it. <laughs> Why you? You were going to kill my sister's children? No, I tried to spot a fly. <laughs> Funny oh, a fly. Okay, good. <laughs> So it was fun watching them today. Uh, like my mom was singing a song to uh, the, the eight-month-old boy and was doing these hand motions. And the son was kind of sort of mimicking them. He would put his hands up every now and then or he would get excited when there were certain prompts for a hand motion to be done. So that yeah, kind of... the bus go round. Right. Ugh. So that, that kind of resonates with me when I'm thinking about having to mimic someone else to understand what are the social norms and how do you operate equipment or how do you speak a language. I can kind of see that being a thing how perhaps you have a limited number of abilities at the beginning of the game, and as you observe certain behavior, it gives you, like, one more button to press or one more option to pick out of a menu, which helps you kind of get past another obstacle. Yeah, and I, and I was thinking, like, the like um, during the course of, uh, you know, several days and such, uh, you know, you're, um, you know you, you will be instructed to do something, and if you haven't learned that skill, then that would raise your uh, suspicion level, because, you know, someone will say, uh, can you, like, uh, take the garbage out or something? And if you can't understand the command, then, uh, you know, that raises suspicion. Hmm. Um, and also, uh, and, and it's a sort of, you know, the replayability is that uh, who do you decide to assimilate first? Do you assimilate the family or do you uh, start by going after your schoolmates or just random people in the shopping mall or something? Uh, what's the best strategy? Kind of like uh, Plague Incorporated, hmm. where you, you, you sort of, uh, you sort of strategize, uh, you know, how am I going to take over this town? I'm sure. going to go after, uh, you know, uh, police officers. I'm just going to waltz into the... Uh, police station and, uh, you know, make up some crime and then uh, get the police guys all together in a room and then just assimilate the whole bunch and, uh, or uh, uh, like, uh, like you assimilate your family perhaps and then you go to the police station and, you know, uh, strengthen numbers, you can sort of overpower them and such. I, I, it could be fun. It's a hell of a coding job, but still. Yeah, it does sound ambitious, but it definitely has some possibilities. So, so what happens when you've assimilated someone? Do you then like 
have an understanding with that person and you kind of can reap the benefits of whatever, like if they're a police officer, maybe you can get to places that you couldn't ordinarily or you get a weapon or a car or something like that. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. When, uh, when you assimilate someone, first of all, it, I'm, I'm, it's kind of stealing from the thing, but it's it's one of those where you sort of, you know, I don't know, shoot your tentacles into their body or something. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the parasite will, you know, of course, uh, go into their brain and such. Uh, I haven't really worked out if it... If it if it, if it creates a duplicate, um, you know, body and you have to get rid of the old body or if it just, you know, assimilates someone and then they just follow you around and you it, probably the last idea is the best one. So you don't have to, you know, stash bodies anywhere or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you can sort of, uh, you know, command them like, uh, you know, just uh, hang around here. Don't do anything stupid or uh, come with me and we'll go assimilate someone. And uh, eventually, if you have more than half of the town assimilated. Then you can uh, then you then you can basically just you know hit a button that says take over world and then you've uh, you know, won the game. Yeah, I guess the threshold will be when you can like be relaxed enough to act like whatever your parasite self is instead of having to emulate the uh, yeah. behavior of others around you. And of course, every every skill that you've learned is passed on to whoever you assimilate. So. Ah. Uh, Eventually, I mean, if, if you have a limited skill set, someone will, someone you assimilate will also have that limited skill set. So you can go off and learn skills and then go back and teach your assimilated cohorts uh, your new skills. Uh, because when they do something stupid, of course, the uh, suspicion level gets raised as well. Yeah. Uh, but at some point, you will have more people assimilated than, uh, you know, there are real humans in the town. And at that point, you can just come out in the open and say, hi, I'm an alien. Fuck you. And mm -hmm. then, just you know, reap the benefits of world domination. Pretty interesting. Yeah, sure, that has possibilities. It does sound pretty ambitious. I think making it open world probably makes it more difficult than it would be otherwise. I can, I can sort of see this as being a linear adventure game kind of a story. I guess the hardest be. part would be the very beginning, where you have the minimum of skills and what challenges are before you and what opportunities do you have. Like, Do you have some kind of a superhuman uh, power that gets you through that first early bit or that you can rely on? Nah, not really. I, <laughs> I mean, you're you're in a human body, and uh, the only uh, the only difference is that your mind is being controlled by this alien parasite. So basically, no uh, other than the ability to assimilate people, obviously. But if you do that out in the open, then you know uh, you sort of reveal a bit too much about yourself. So you have to sort of you know coax people into secluded parts, uh, you know, behind the shed or in the tool shed and such, and uh, you know make sure that. Uh, no one witnesses you assimilate them because then, of course, suspicion is going to be raised fairly quickly. It sounds a lot like uh, Masquerade, Vampire Bloodlines, the Masquerade, whatever. and it also yeah. sounds a bit like uh, the Borg from Star Trek. It does, and but like in the Vampire game, you do have some superhuman abilities, like you can hide better or you have faster reflexes or things that don't necessarily tip your hand if you're subtle about it. But in that game, you start off as a human, and you have all of your human experiences, plus some more. Yeah. So this sounds a little bit different. Oh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't uh, I actually didn't think of, uh, you know, being able to do anything, other than, you know, being able to learn fast, I suppose, because you're an alien parasite, you don't even understand the language, so you have to, you know, listen in on conversations to learn language and such. Uh, but other than assimilating people, I mean, this was a dream. I, I didn't go into that much detail. Sure. I just like the idea of playing the monster. Yeah, it has promise. Oh, that's fun, because one of our examples was when we were thinking about a Ludum Dare, a recent Ludum Dare uh, theme, and the theme was, you are the monster. Yeah, mm, and that's, that's when, the idea when, I, when the idea that we did flesh out a bit that's actually on our list, but... Uh, we'll you're, wait until you're done yours anyway. Yeah, we'll wait for you to uh, go through your list, which I'm sure is inexhaustive. 
As it seems, most people is the star when they come on this show. They come most most people come pretty well prepared, unless they're Tom there and they come with stories about exploding computers and power supplies. <laughs> oh, I've I've got stories like that too, oh, but awesome. uh, they're boring. By the way, our birds were fast asleep until I reached my phone around to take a picture, and that startled them awake. Oh damn! <laughs> I did my best. I'll I'll, I'll I'll try more. But oh, you, uh, okay, so so that. would you guys if uh, if if this was a, a game pitch, would you guys get behind it? Mm, it sounds interesting. Yeah, enough. for sure. It's it's got similarities to similar proven games, like a vampire game, or like uh, I had another example and I can't think of it now, but it definitely has possibilities. Oh, cool. So my, my dreams are plagiarizing. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, I was wondering um, if you'd seen some Star Trek recently. <laughs> well, except except the Borg aren't, you know, they aren't really shy about, you know, it's just, they, they, they just they just show up on your lawn and go, right, you're with me now. Yeah, that's what makes this different, because usually when there's some sort of invader or something, they have their own their own culture. They, like, they're not alone. They have their own little network that they can refer to internally. Mm. Uh, whereas this, you're sort of on your own until you build your own group of, of confidants. Mm-hmm. And I think this might have been inspired because I was reading about a, an anime series that I really want to watch. Uh, I think I think it's called just Parasite or Parasite or something. Uh, it's about, it's, it, it, is, it is about a dude who gets uh, infected with an alien parasite, uh, but because uh, the parasite goes through his ear and he was wearing headphones at night, uh, the parasite just kind of stuck in his hand. Parasite and- the Maxim? Is that it? That could very well be it. Uh, so he meets all these other, you know, uh, normal people uh, in his, you know, he's a schoolboy, so he goes to school. And, uh, you know, some of his teachers have been infected as well. And you're never quite sure who's an alien and who's not. Hmm. That's why I love the thing, because you're never quite sure, is this an alien or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I just love the idea of playing it from the perspective of the invader instead of a person trying to stop the invasion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm going to stop. I, that, that's my final saying on that. Yeah, just to confirm... That, that this is the I'm just curious because I actually just looked it up on Crunchyroll, which I'm subscribed to. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, trolls, I can give you a. Uh, I have a million passes to this site. You can get, I can give you a uh, pass for 48 hours and see if you like it. Oh yeah, Crunchyroll. It's like Netflix for anime. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you very much. But I already found a site where you can download the uh, episodes. Oh, there you go. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, but but thank you very much. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So, so this, does it sound like it? It's okay. This is the uh, synopsis. Just wondering if this sounds about right. They arrive in silence and darkness, descending from the skies with hunger for human flesh. Parasites, alien creatures who must invade and take control of a human host to survive, have come to Earth. No one knows their secret except high school student, uh, Sinchi Izumi, whose right hand has been invaded by an alien parasite. Uh. Sinchi and Miggy, the parasite in his hand, begrudgingly yeah, form a friendship and find themselves caught in the middle of a war between human and parasites. Oh, yeah, I have a friendship with my hand, too. <laughs> yeah, and that's usually when I send you to the shower. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the one that that, compuls, that makes you compulsively masturbate, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And here I was going for the subtle I one. hate that parasite. <laughs> and here I was trying to be subtle. Charles just kind of uh, no, took me. a torpedo to the water. That was me. That was me. I'll, I'll take credit for that one. Okay, well, okay. should we, we should, should we uh, resolve our little mystery from the very beginning and uh, tell our grand epic tale? Okay. Oh, grand epic tale. Okay, I'll do it. All right, so... Because um, Bianca seems really enthusiastic. I know. I, I am? Okay, whatever. Okay, well, this is a story that, that Bianca has been reluctant to uh, reveal for a while, but now she says she's okay with it, so I'm going to give an abbreviated uh, version of this story anyway. But um, game game design was not only kind of a, 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 a 
a means to an end on its own, but we also kind of used it as a coping mechanism during a tough time in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, uh, about a year and a half ago or so, uh, poor Bianca was on dialysis because uh, she was suffering from kidney failure. And so... A chronic condition, not an acute condition. Yeah. So, long story short, um, she needed a uh, kidney donor. And as it turned out, the uh, most suitable match at the time was uh, yours truly. And so I did a whole bunch of tests and uh, was uh, deemed to be in good health. And mm -hmm. uh, at that time, I... Uh, went under the knife and uh, they took my kidney out and they put it inside of her and uh, so far she's doing phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so romantic. It is romantic. You're, you're not, not only trading body, body fluids but also organs. That's yes. right. I'm generating fluids for her, which is pretty cool. So anyway, there were many times of uncertainty or many times where I was standing by her hospital bed while scary things were happening and so uh, I was trying to uh, help her keep her spirits up and so we kind of I, I kind of thought about what does uh, Bianca love above all else besides me of course is uh, yeah right <laughs> is birds and so I told her okay let's take our mind off of things by trying to design an adventure game about budgies mm -hmm. and so we thought about all our four different budgies and we we're talking about the art style it would be like a pixel art style and what do our budgies like to do? What's unique about their different personalities? And what motivations would they have? And what kind of conflict would there be? And so I don't really remember any of the details about it, but mm -hmm. that was a, a very interesting... Yeah, the idea was we were trying to figure out what the which one was going to be the protagonist and what the goal of that bird was. Was there something that they wanted, a toy or a piece of food? And or we... escape! <laughs> yeah, that was another one. Yeah, we decided... We think escape or food was probably the ultimate objective. And it sounds like, um, and in order to achieve it, you, that we were going to um, have the uh, one bird try and uh, trick the fellow budgies into doing, into, oh yeah, yeah, we wanted to get to the millet. That was the big objective. Because as because of the personalities of all four, millet was basically budgie crack. And whoever got to it first had pick had had the first pick and they would defend it to the uh, dying brand. Yeah, that's right. As different as first our, pack. as different as our four first pack, as different as our four budgies are in their uh, personalities. That's the one thing they have in common is that they love to eat millet. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember okay, too so much about the details, but that, that was just our coping mechanism. Yeah. And so we, well. went, we went through and decided how would they uh, decide? We went through different well, mechanics that we would use for them to get to this thing, to trick the others. Oh, right. So there was, like, biting and singing and dancing and tricking and hiding shiny objects. And yeah, playing with toys, just doing all sorts of things to get the others away from the food. I think we also had, like, Sims-style needs or something. Like, they have to play with toys. They have to have a bath. They have to have food. And there's little, like, ticking down, ticking down progress bars you have to keep in check. Mm -hmm. hmm. So, so you play as the birds. And, uh, yep. you know... This reminds me a bit of there's an AGS game called uh, Troll Quest, which I swear has nothing to do with yeah, me. no relation. Uh, All right. No, uh, as, at least I think it's called Troll Quest. Uh, but you basically play as a as a troll, like the big hulking uh, sort of scary monster kind of one, and uh, all his troll friends have gone missing. So uh, and and it's it's a point and click adventure game, but all the verbs are things like bash and shout at and uh, stuff. That's that's how you solve puzzles. If oh, you shout, awesome. <laughs> You start in a cave, and if you if you shout at it, you know bits of rock will fall off the ceiling and such. Oh, I love it! Uh, so that kind of reminds me of that. I mean, uh, point-and-click adventure game where you know the icons are things like peck and uh, bash wing at or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
or Sing was going to be one of them. For uh, sure. Yeah. Sure, merrily. And, and, and a dialogue box goes up uh, like merrily or uh, viciously or annoyingly or. Yeah, that's right. Loudly. That'll, that'll be a fun place where all you hear is chirp, 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 but then they're like speaking like eloquent Shakespearean dialogue that only they can understand. <laughs> that would be a fun thing. Mm-hmm. A, a few of my ideas here involve being a bird and having some objective that you're trying to get to. I'll probably skip those because I think we've covered that. Yep. Although there is the one, the Ludum there one, which we'll go into after Charles has another turn to tell us uh, one of his uh, hallucinogen, hallucinogen there. What is <laughs> Hallucinatory. Uh, oh, I was oh, there, thank you. I think the, the word you're looking for is like batshit crazy. <laughs> okay, that's even better. One of Cho's uh, batshit insane crazy ideas. There you go. Your turn. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see which one I'm going to go with. Um, oh, uh, a friend of mine uh, and I had an idea about a text adventure where um, it's a cyberpunk text adventure. Uh, you're basically one of those... Um, you're basically one of those hacker types that you always hear about in cyberpunk. Um, but instead of, instead of, you know, the standard, you wake up in a guy's apartment, walk around and such, <laughs> the main hub of the game, so to speak, is sitting in front of your uh, computer in an IRC style uh, chat room. And uh, everyone you converse with is, of course, a bot. But uh, um, the, uh, you know, the point is to, you know, sit there and uh, greet people as they come into the channel. And some of the, some of the uh, characters... Some of the NPCs will have different missions for you, uh, places to hack into. So um, the only time that you're, uh, I mean, you, you don't actually walk around an environment. Uh, the only time when you you get into standard text adventure, like look around, get, walk to, and such, is when you hack into a system. So it's kind of uh, hmm. kind of like a Neuromancer style, uh, you know, eighty how how the '90s envisioned uh, future computing as you know walking around some uh, some. Uh, crazy depiction of, uh, you know, the mainframe and such, so, uh, like reality style. And, uh, and you have uh, different verbs for, uh, different, um, uh, what do you call them? Like hacking commands. Like, uh, you come across a door for instance, and uh, there's a, there's a hacking command for unlocking it. And you have to, you know, uh, get some of the other NPCs to upload things to your, uh, fantastic hacking brain, uh, that will, you know, enable you to get past certain door types, for instance. Mm. Uh, so, so, um, uh, which is of course, something that could only be done in a text adventure, I guess. Um, uh, so yeah, basically there, there was a whole story to this that we wrote down, uh, basically, you know, uh, a, one of those cliche cyberpunk stories where, um, okay, cliche some... works sometimes if you do it right, a cliche can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got plenty of cliches coming up. Uh, I think it was, it was something about uh, a government, uh, server was, uh, infecting everyone who was logged into, uh, you know, the World Wide web, um, mm-hmm. with this, uh, surveillance great, node. Great premise for a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, of course, you had to you know, stop the evil government and uh, delete the, uh, uh, you know, mass surveillance. And this was before, you know, Snowden and the NSE revelation. So we thought we were being really clever. And then it turns out the nightmare is real. Ah! Uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So, but the, the, the big thing I wanted to sell this on is the fact that the main hub is an IRC window. And you just sit there and chat with uh, other characters. And then you go into uh, like a private message. And he says, you know, hack into this and this IP address. And then you go in there. And it's uh, and then that turns into standard text adventure where you walk around these virtual rooms solving puzzles by entering a, a you know obscure commands uh, to yeah to get oh through. cool now I think I'm sure I've asked this of just about every one of my guests on the podcast but have you played right. Digital a Love Story by Christine Love from Toronto 
I have not. Okay, this is... I don't want to get too far off track, but it yeah, is... Yeah, because I do want to play it. I have it in my list. Oh, yeah, you, I, I, or I recommend this. Or is it hate? Or, I forget if I have Sorry? hate. Or, I forget if I have hate or love, but I have one of those. Christine oh, this was, this was a free game that she made before most of her others. It's, um... It's your interface looks kind of like an old like nineteen eighties Amiga computer, and basically you call different BBSs with your dial up modem. Oh, I know which one this is. This is an awesome looking. Game. It is. It looks very great, really great. Mm -hmm. You basically your your interactions are to browse through like the different message bases and and uh, message forums, and you download files and install programs on your computer, which enables you to call BBSs from farther away or to hack a password or something like that. It's pretty similar to what you're describing, and it is. Mm -hmm. Mostly textual, but the it has like a graphical user interface. So I have a, such a soft spot for a game that takes place with like the protagonist is someone sitting at a computer and you are sitting at your computer, and so it's like you're the real protagonist. It's a really good game, and it's actually like it kind of draws similar emotions from you as Gone Home. I will say, ooh, it's okay. a terrific game, and it's really nerdy. And what impressed me most of all, I talked to her about it. I thanked her in person for this game. She's she's too young to have actually been there, but ah, that's right. I, I remember uh, you uh, talking about this on a previous episode. I, uh, I, you probably put it in a in a show note list somewhere, but uh, please do it again. I will very gladly do that. I, I highly I'm recommend curious. this game. So I, it it will, I think, kind of give you some guidance if you ever wanted to see this game through to fruition. But I'd love to see that as a text adventure as well. As a matter of fact. Oh, and there's another game out, uh, came out recently, I can't remember, the, I, I just tried Googling for it, and I can't remember the fucking name of it, uh, where you're also walking around and you can hack uh, different, you know, computers, and, and you can actually type in real code to, you know, what, you know the game I'm talking about, I'm sure. I, I bought a game recently, uh, I'm looking for it on my list while we chat here. There's no walking okay. around, but you do, it is like a hack, oh, it's called HackNet. I don't know. If that's uh, that's, what you're that's not the one. This one, the, the title of it is actually, uh, you know, actual code. Uh, oh, um, 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 there's another one where. Oh, I think I know Hack what you're Revolution? talking. Revolution. No, I think I know what he's talking about, and I can't think of the name right now. But I, I know what you're talking about. Less, uh, not less than zero. Something with a zero. Uh, fuck! I wish I fucking divide by zero. Was. Something like that. Let me look this up. Mm. I'm sure I know what you're talking about, and I just can't kind of conjure up the, the brain power to do this properly. It just came out very, very recently, and it looks absolutely cool, and I really want to play it. And, uh, yeah, if it, if it comes back to me, I will definitely... Uh, yeah, but anyway, um, hacking in adventure... And, and it also it makes hacking accessible. Like, uh, like it, You don't have to be a, a programmer to actually do this and and the, the the idea that i had was also you know you're not actually writing code into it you you get these certain abilities from other npcs who just basically you know dcc you uh, the abilities and then you can <laughs> basically you just learn new commands for, to, to type into the parser uh-huh um, so yeah i know exactly okay. what you're talking about i can't think of the name but uh, i like that idea uh, huh. okay your turn okay you um, want to take one babe yeah this is the ludum dare one that we mentioned earlier so this yeah. is the most. This is from the most re recent Ludum Dare, and I su had suggested to Brian at the time that we do a collaborative one where I can do the art and he'll do the writing. Since we would be using Twine, the programming would be a breeze. Oh yeah, we talked about this over brunch. 
we were almost going to do it, but I was like, I don't want to spend my weekend doing this. Yeah. And so, yeah. So what the Ludum Dare theme that we were working with when we came up with the, this idea is you are the monster. And we tried to define the, uh, our protagonist as, what do you mean? How, how you're the monster? Are you like... Is it like literal or figurative? Yeah. And so we were starting off in an egg because why not? And um, there's a crack in it because obviously you're about to hatch. And as you once you and so we were gonna, I was gonna have some visuals that sort of show this dark area with like a bit of sun, a bit of light coming through. As you crack, you get out of the egg, you emerge to see to see your mother and your siblings. Your mother's really big and grotesque, almost like a dragon. Your siblings are a little bigger than you, but they're but you don't look too different, but you but it's clear that you are different from them. Ooh. And so eventually as you grow up and you so do your siblings, it becomes apparent that you're not supposed to be from this nest and you're kicked out. Oh right, it's like all of your all of the people near you look at you in absolute disgust. Yeah. There's an ugly duckling theme going on here, right? Pretty a much. Bit, a bit, yes. At least from your family. And as you go out into the world, you decide that uh, okay, your that these people that the, your family probably did something bad, and you go to try and fix everything. But even though you have good intentions, you accidentally uh, dis have destroyed a few buildings. But as you go through, you also find glasses of sh like shards, like uh, basically mirror pieces. And the objective throughout is to gather all these pieces as you're going through, and uh, in in an effort to discover who you are. Right. You can't really see yourself clearly. You can just see a little bit of your face until you collect all the mirrors. Yeah, and like for example, you can see like an eye or just something else. And the ultimate end would be you get a choice to either assemble all the pieces and uh, find out what you really are, or you can uh, choose to not look at the mirror or and not reassemble the pieces and just walk away into darkness. And Ooh. we decided that uh, if you look into the mirror, you find that you're not the monster. You just thought you were the monster. Oh, I thought the ending was going to be that. Like, you're the, the race of people that raised you and that hatched you were this really gross, terrifying-looking, like, hellish dragon thing. Mm -hmm. When you finally look in the mirror, you're this absolutely adorable little budgie or cute little bird or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you're an adorable little bird. But everybody, all, everyone around you looks at you like you're absolutely repulsive, when mm -hmm. in fact you're the only cute one. Yeah. I forget. Yeah, so we were going to do something like that. So oh, you okay. learned that you're just really adorable. But... You, but you have this, but you inadvertently cause chaos, even though you have no intention of it, and your and all your intentions are good. Right, but you're such a fish out of water for that reason that uh, every like society around you crumbles. Uh oh. Uh, oh, we've gone off. Fuck. We have to reset our our. Could you reset the modem, please? Okay. Have a look at his buttocks. That's not funny. Not meant to be. Can you hear me? I can. Yes, can. Hello there. Sorry about Hello. that. It seems our uh, the shitty router modem combination we mentioned earlier decided to shit itself. Yeah, I figured something like that was happening. Uh, our, our modem is very unreliable, unfortunately. Luckily, that's the first time that seems to have happened during a podcast. And fortunately, we had the recorder going until the last moment. I assume okay. so. Uh, so we can we can splice shit together. Yeah, I, I love editing. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just start from the sentence you were on, Bianca, and then just, you know, the magic of television. Right. <laughs> well, I don't even remember where we left off. Do you, dear? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, you do? When we, um, when we, uh, when we were, save the game I'm playing here? Yes. 
Come on, stop talking, Edgeworth. Thank you. <laughs> Same. Alright. Yeah, I'm almost uh, done this Edgeworth game. Final chapter, last segment. Oh, good for you. Yeah, the fan translated Phoenix Wright game she was talking about last week. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay, so I believe I was talking about... The, so, as I said, you put the mirror together, and you're this beautiful bird, but still... But uh, you had this, but you inadvertently caused destruction, even though you never meant to. And you just, you're you're innocent of all your family's crimes, and the, your family are these horrendous creatures, these dragons, grotesque, and yet oddly beautiful in their own dragony way. But if you choose the other ending, you you walk into the distance and you never know find out what you really are, and you just kind of wander aimlessly. Oh, and you kind of believe that you're a terrible monster all along without yeah. verifying. Mm-hmm. And then you go on a rampage and destroy everything. So you can uh, either go. No, we don't tell. You, we we just leave it at that. We don't even tell you what you do after you walk into the sunset. Mm-hmm. So you're either good or evil, or uh, believe that you're either good or evil. Exactly. We don't tell you if you're good or evil. We let you. We uh, just assume. We just let the uh, person. We just have the animal believe it's. Good or evil? Maybe, maybe it's like a a, a gradual thing. Like uh, you can, there's sort of a, um, a a choice system in place. So uh, depending on how much destruction you've caused, uh, what the mirror shows you will either be uh, a monster or a beautiful bird. Oh yeah, that's something to do, to do too. Yeah. We kept our scope down for this event just because it has to be totally finished within forty eight hours. Oh yeah. But uh, that's that's definitely a viable way to uh, where where your gameplay defines in the end who you are. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, that would that would make it interesting too. Because that, that not, way, if you look into the mirror, you got a different ending. But if you and if you chose not to, you still we could we could have done something else with that and just just cho- showing the figure slightly differently as it's moving away, so you can so the uh, person playing gets an idea of what they were rather than. Mm. So, like, if you chose not to do anything at all, you, you just uh, walk away. But if you had done some good deeds, but you didn't, you would kind of see a, a beautiful figure walking away in the shape yeah. of what was supposed to be in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, nice. But the, if, but you, you're doing it entwined, so it's all text, right? Uh, no. It would, it would, yes, we're doing entwined, but no, it wouldn't have been all text. We had, I had planned to do the visual element. I was going to uh, draw the visual element by hand. Yeah, you can have it show still images, or I think you can even embed YouTube videos, but we were just planning on uh, having Bianca draw a series of uh, just like still images. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen twine games that use like, uh, you know, images. Because it's, it's like an HTML-based uh, system. Yes. So yes. You, can, you can put in anything. Really. Yeah, HTML and style sheets, that's right. Yep, and I know that because I know in my Twine game that I did the last Ludum Dare, I put my, the ten second Ludum Dare. I put in, I embedded my horrible, horrible music. <laughs> oh yes, it was horrible. <laughs> I loved it. Oh yeah, you're you're a burgeoning uh, 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 composer of, of great deeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay, cool. Game? That sounds like a really, really good idea. Uh, I, I, and I like the uh, you know you you play as something and right up until the end you realize that maybe you weren't uh, what you thought you were during the entire game. Exactly. And the idea is that you're collecting these shards throughout. And if we had actually had time to flash out and do more than just the 48 hours, maybe even have something where you look at the shards you see and you get a chance to just look at them, but you don't think to put them together until the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You're just walking around finding find sharp pieces of glass. You're like, oh, I'll use this later. <laughs> it's like a- Good adventure game. Hmm, what this? That's it's true. sharp. Let's just stick it in my pocket. Exactly. If it's not nailed except, down, you steal it. Except there's a little plot hole where uh, you pick up a, a reflective uh, piece of 
you know, something. And it never occurs to you to, you know, point the thing at yourself. He's you're basically just picking it up and just putting it away without even looking at it. And and I think you do most of his games. Just pick it up and put it in your pocket. You didn't even look at half the stuff you pick up well, in like sometimes. Sam and Max or any of those games. You were, I, I remember though, the first time you, you did want to write, draw like incremental things though. Like the first one you pick up, all you see is like your hideous bulging eye. But at the end, it's revealed that when you can see your whole face, mm-hmm. it's revealed. Yeah. It's, it's still pretty far-fetched, but it was going to be an incremental thing. Yeah, but it, 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 it's a poetic license. It's a, it's yeah. a poetic game. Exactly. I, I, I see where you're going with this. Well, thank you. Thanks. That's very kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would you like another shot at it? Or would we, or do you want to hear some, one of Brian's horrible ideas? <laughs> uh, well, I, I got a list as long as my, uh, you know, Brian, or is it longer than choices. that? So, uh, yeah, you guys uh, get, uh, get another one. All right, I'll do. I'll do a quick one before you tell us how long your list is exactly, <laughs> as compared to what. Oh, so before before I say my my uh, game idea, I wanted to give a huge shout out to a Toronto developer by the name of Jonathan Mack, who also Hi, goes Jonathan. he also goes by the name of Queasy Games. He made. <laughs> I love that name. He made a, a game that I absolutely loved and that I was going to mention if we talked about games with unconventional sound design. Um, his is called Everyday Shooter, and it's a game where uh, there's like a kind of a rhythm guitar backing um, soundtrack to the various levels. And every time it's like a top-down shooter game, and every time you take a shot, it plays a different guitar note. And every time you something explodes because you killed it, it makes like a big chord. And so it kind of weaves this whole like sonic tapestry uh, as as you play the game, where you're kind of contributing to the music uh, on key as you as you shoot shoot stuff. So I've given away that part anyway. But he's a very very creative and unconventional game designer. And I recently watched him play somebody else's uh, game on uh, Twitch. Somebody else's little simple. Uh, uh, somebody else's simple little uh, uh, indie game. And while he was playing it. He just spouted out loud, like, 15 different little game ideas. He would, like, pause the game. He's like, oh, what if you made a game where blah, 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 <laughs> which was crazy. He's just such a creative guy. And so one of his, one of his ideas totally resonated with me, and I was going to steal it and make my own game. But because I know that I make games so slowly, I thought I'd just put the idea out there and give him the full credit regardless. His idea was, what if he, he was complaining about how people, like, talk too much in general. And he was thinking, what if instead of money, our currency was the number of words that we were permitted to speak in a week, that was our currency. Um, Mm. And you could like buy or sell words. And the people with real power had the power to uh, say as many words as they wanted. And the the poor people wouldn't really be able to say any kind of rebuttal because they had to save their words for things that were really important. And so my, which I thought was a cool idea. And then I, my response to him was, well, what, what about the people who, who are poor? Wouldn't they like sell their words for food and stuff like that? And he just said, oh, that's really sad. Okay. I'm not, never mind. I don't care about this idea anymore. Well, actually that reminds <laughs> me of that Justin Timberlake movie we started watching. Oh yeah. Where, where you're it's time. Time. Yeah. Well, it's a movie we didn't watch more than 20 minutes of, but it was a cool premise. Yeah. There's, it was a similar premise where, Instead of your currency, instead of being uh, words or money, it was time. And that humans were uh, created to age up until a certain point. And after that, time became a currency. And so that's how you paid for everything. So for, so uh, often people didn't live that long unless they had a lot of currency. Yeah, if you wanted to buy a sandwich, for example, it would cost you five minutes of your life. Ooh, that's and the an person, interesting idea. And the and person... Actually- 
the Justin person's... Timberlake's a good actor. I don't know why I'm ranking on. Oh, well, it was a stupid movie that we didn't watch much of. But like the person think... selling the sandwich gets that five minutes of life added to theirs yeah. and subtracted from yours. Yeah, and, it's a cool and, thing and yeah. you murder somebody by uh, taking away all their minutes. Yeah, that's right. You can, there's like a, a time. Li- there's like a lifespan mafia and stuff like that. It's a cool premise, but it was an idiotic movie, so we didn't watch it. It was kind of. I think it would have been fine if it was a different lead actor. It's just Timberlake had the uh, charisma and acting ability of a cheese fart. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the the idea of uh, of uh, language uh, as um, as as something um, I don't know precious or something to be. Uh, uh, something to be wary of. Um, have you guys ever watched a movie called Pontypool? No. Mm. Oh, it's it's a really weird sort of, uh, you know, one location kind of horror movie. It takes place in a radio studio. And uh, so all you hear is like, uh, you know, pandemonium has exploded outside. There's a, there's a virus going around and people are, you know, going crazy and starting to kill each other and such. And uh, the virus is being transmitted by, hold your breath, a phrase, words, um, mm. that pe- people just go nuts and uh, when, when they hear a certain phrase uttered. And it's never really re- revealed what the phrase actually is. It just makes people go nuts and it makes them start to repeat uh, nonsensical uh, you know, um, uh, phrases. Uh, and so there's, there's this really scary scene of, of course, one of the uh, crazy people find their way into this radio studio and she's just sitting there in the corner just repeating the same sentence over and over again. And, you know, the... Uh, uh, you know, the uh, protagonists are just uh, sort of, oh, my God, shit, we have to hide somewhere. And, and she just lunges at them, still repeating this, you know, completely, you know, innocuous, nonsensical phrase. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Like the idea of, of um, the language being a, uh, the transmitter for a virus. I thought mm-hmm. that was an interesting idea. Oh, that's uh, neat, too. Give it a check. Cool. What's the name of that? We should put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. What was the, what was the movie called? Pontypool. Pontypool? Weird name for a movie. It's on Netflix too. Oh, Pontypool. Yeah, and it's got it's got a great cover too. Hmm. Uh, if you look up the DVD cover. Oh, cool! It does. Just, yeah, <laughs> this is some guy with his brain splattered everywhere. Yeah. Um, oh, is this a, it's a. We see something like cowboy guy sneering. <laughs> uh, that's not the one. Director of hardcore logo. Cool. Okay, well, uh, cool idea anyway, uh, the idea of, uh, of language as a currency. Oh, yeah, that it is. So the, I'll call that my turn. I want you to go ahead and uh, do your next one, Trolls. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to um, – Fred might kill me for this, uh, but uh, – and Augustin Cortez might as well. Uh, but we had an idea a long time ago uh, of doing a collaboration. Uh, me and Fred were going to design this game with Augustin, and we actually got we actually got pretty far into the process. Uh, and then he secured some uh, uh, Lovecraft rights, and then he went off and did his thing, um, mm. which sadly bombed. I'm very sad for him, uh, and we never really got back to this game idea here. But uh, Fred and I have been sort of, you know, writing away at this design document, sort of on and off, and uh, you know, without anyone to see the idea through, which was uh, what Augustin was doing, um, it kind of just petered out. But the idea, which I will take credit for, uh, was uh, it's a game called The Agency. Uh, and it starts out with uh, you uh, in a uh, futuristic uh, town. You know, uh, predictably, everything's gone to shit. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a rich part of town, which is sort of uh, cordoned off from the poor part of town. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a, this all-controlling agency of which you are recruited as an agent for uh, and, uh, you know, basically kind of like in the kind of like Harvester, you're giving these tasks that are more and more um, 
uh, sort of insidious, uh, like you uh, you have to poison a water supply in the poor part of town and such. Um, and eventually, you um, eventually you find out that uh, there's a um, there's like a, a, a cult, uh, sort of an underground cult that uh, have discovered. Uh, some uh, universal secret or something that they're not really sharing. So you have to infiltrate this cult and find out what is going on. And the big reveal at the end was that the uh, character finds out that he is the protagonist in a game. Because, you know, one of my pet peeves mm-hmm. is always, you know, when you break the fourth wall in, uh, in in adventure games, it's usually this. Either you do it really well or you do it really stupidly. Uh, so... For, for, for this game, I wanted the uh, the protagonist to realize that he was an adventure game hero and not be happy about it. Huh. So uh, uh, the part that actually uh, Augustin uh, uh, cut the end part of the game out, so I'm going to reveal that one. I'm not going to reveal the uh, uh, fantastic ideas that we had for the end game, you know, for the actual game that we we're going to reveal, because that was really... Augustin was very excited about this because we were going to do stuff to uh, the player that they weren't expecting. Huh. Um uh, some some really weird stuff. I'm just going to leave that one hanging. Uh, the original ending I had, which which got cut out, was that eventually um, um, people were certain. This, this cult was searching for because they the, the cult had also had, had realized that they were not real people that they were um, um, you know uh, um, f- fictional characters. So they were all looking for this uh, trigger, this uh, this thing on their person or something that would sort of break away the veil of, uh, of fiction and transport them to the realm of creativity where, you know, uh, where the designer's thoughts uh, all live. This is, this is starting to sound really weird. Anyway, uh, this also means that there, you know, there are cult members who sort of, uh, you know, cut off their arms because they think that's what's, what's keeping them in the fictional world and, you know, poke out their eyes and such. And, uh, and our protagonist finds out that uh, his glasses are what it, it, are what's keeping him in the fictional world. So as soon as he breaks his glasses, he's transported to uh, this, you know, this really sort of weird, nightmarish kind of gooey realm, which is the realm of ultimate creativity. And then he becomes really, really mad because then he realizes that you are playing him, that he has no free will. So that's the name of the game. He, what, sorry. That's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. Well, the name of the game is the agency. Well, yeah, actually, I never really thought about that. That's that's pretty cool. Oh, I thought that's where you were getting at. I like that. <laughs> I just I just named it after the fucking agency. Oh, well, it's, it works as a double entendre very well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, I never realized that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, at that point, whenever you start giving him directions, he will uh, consciously do the opposite. So he, he can't not receive commands, but he will do it in such a way that it goes against what you're telling him to do. So if you, if you direct him to talk to an NPC, he will insult them or berate them because at, at that point he has a death wish. He does not want to be your puppet. So whenever you, so, so when you direct him to do something, you have to be really careful and sort of work around what, uh, what he, you know, you have to think backwards. So if you direct him to like cross a bridge or something, he will try and throw himself off it. So you have to sort of, uh, you know, uh, steer him uh, in sort of an, um, and like, uh, <laughs> I can't think of the fucking word. You know what I mean. You have to sort of steer him. Reverse psychology. Problems. Yeah, kind of reverse psychology thing. So you want to say, cross to the other side without jumping into the uh, river. Yeah, exactly. Which means uh, he, t- uh, okay, cross the other side and jump into, by jumping into the river, which means he, he won't do that. So he'll probably go and find the, the bridge. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. He'll go over he'll, with he'll, a boat or something. Because he, he, he th- uh, uh, what they realize once they get to the realm of creativity is that uh, there is no, uh, you know, freedom. This is where, you know, all the, you know, all ideas that have been discarded have come to die. Uh, but there is, you know, it has been spoken of in myth and legend that there is a, a, a way to escape into the real world, the world of, of the player. And uh, and so uh, so you set out to uh, to find that uh, you know portal or the protagonist does because he wants to come and kill the player uh, mm-hmm. but you have to sort of try and keep him away from it um, or, or he just wants to kill himself uh, but uh, and then eventually he does find the uh, uh, portal which is guarded by two sort of nondescript uh, postal office kind of people <laughs> who, uh, who, who just stands there and go no dude wah, this, wah, this ain't wah, the portal wah, wah. this is <laughs> that was, if you said nondescript made me think of uh you know just having someone who you don't really understand what they say it's all muffled speech Charlie Charlie Brown Brown teacher. Teacher style. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it just, it's two really sort of ordinary postal worker kind of things and, and, and they just go nah this is nothing dude dude it does it doesn't work you know it's uh you know there, there there is no portal it doesn't really work and then you know the protagonist just you know turns around and shuffles off really dejectedly oh, and the end of the game was was them you know just fixing the camera on these two uh, um you know ordinary people and just going hey dude why, why'd you tell them that it totally works it's, yeah but you really want that asshole in the real world cut to end credits oh that's cute and 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 augustin was like yeah well um i'm not entirely sold on the end game here how about we just end the game when he finds this trigger and then, poof, that's the end of the game. Uh, nah, I like him being depressed. That has more potential. Because it's just, because then, then he's not dead and it leaves a bit more of the imagination. Especially, yeah, he, which I, I kind of like that, that they deter him by saying, we don't want this asshole in the world. <laughs> and I like the idea of these two bureaucrats because they're sort of like your self-center or your self-doubt or, so, sorry, self-censor or your self-doubt or something that keeps you your, from uh, externalizing an idea. Yeah, but uh, um, the, the the rest of the game was kind of, you know, this kind of futuristic kind of horror, very serious kind of thing. And then uh, Augustine thought that the end, uh, the ending was kind of flippant. Um, uh, and and I, I suppose, you know, I wasn't happy about losing it. But, uh, you know, the idea of Augustine working on a game with me was really, you know, so, wow, cool. Well, it could so still be like, horror yeah, depending sure. on how you present these bureaucrats telling him because it can be horror if you can't escape it. And they basically act as gatekeepers. I guess, no, he, like we he talked also, about in our episode, also had the argument that it would really—it was really a tonal shift once you reached that, uh, you know, otherworldly kind of thing. And he thought that it was a much more powerful story if it was just, you know, left up to the imagination of the, uh, you know, uh, of the player to what this realm would look like instead of showing it. And I, I suppose I have to agree with him on that. It's actually that would, more fun. That to has imagine. potential as well, but I kind of like the idea of showing this realm too, because then it's. Uh, it, it just needs so much more, so many more options. And uh, if it's even if you don't actually have anything useful, if it's a point and click adventure, you can use and interact with objects. Even if you don't ultimately take these objects, then you can learn more about this world and all where these gate or the ideas came to die. Yeah, well, one mm. of my one of my favorite examples of this sort of thing is Grim Fandango. The quick brief uh, brief glance you get at the world of the living. And how it's all yeah. happy, slappy, yeah. and like distorted and strange and horrible compared to where you are. That's just a little mm-hmm. taste of it, I guess. You don't delve too much into it. It just suggests various things which are disturbing. And I, and I do I do love the idea of visiting like really disturbing realms, like uh, like Light Harvester. When you when you hit the uh, third CD and you go inside the lodge, and it's just you know, it's gooey and otherworldly and, and bloody and gory, and eyeballs are coming out of the walls and such. And uh, you know, I really love that 
sort of stuff. Okay, you know what? I am I am going to tell you the uh, thing that we were sort of holding off. Yeah, because uh, there is there is really no way that we are ever going to you know make this game. Um, once you infiltrate the cult, that w- that was going to be the end game because you have to find out what your trigger is. Um, and you know, discarded computers and such were you know all around the. Uh, um, uh, you know, all around the underground complex that the cult re- resides in. And every time you, like, use one of the computers, it's your own hard drive that pops up. And uh, we even had an idea that uh, you used a, uh, uh, a television or something, and it would turn on the uh, uh, user's webcam, and you would be looking straight at yourself and stuff like that. And uh, eventually, the farther you got into the game, the uh, game would start sending you tweets and emails and such to, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, you know, put this idea in your head that the protagonist was actually in the game while you weren't playing. Mm. That was that was the big idea, and uh, Agustin was very excited about that because he thought, you know, no no game has done this before. And actually, he wasn't quite right. There are other games that have you know seeped into the real real world, uh, sending you emails and such. Yeah, it's um, rare though. It is a good concept, and the whole fourth, and the uh, whole breaking the fourth wall. Isn't new, but it's but the way you're presenting it would be uh, interesting because yeah, I mean, usually it's just an aside. Were one of the first ones to do breaking the fourth wall with Daffy Duck versus oh, yeah. the animator. That's true. That's true. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a girl one. Fourth wall breaking is is not my favorite thing, uh, but but if you are going to break the fourth wall, then break it in a horrifying fashion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm all for it. I think that's a very good idea. I, I you said you got pretty far into it, huh? Yeah, we got uh, most of the uh, uh, story hammered out up until the uh, point where you have to, uh, you know, the different uh, you know missions that he's been sent on, and uh, up until the point where he discovers the uh, cult and, and such, and um, you know the whole bit that got cut out uh, is also in a design document somewhere. Um, but uh, we never really got to design the end game because uh, we, of course, we had to uh, you know um, invent other characters, and and uh, Fred came up with the idea of this uh, romantic interest that, of course, has to get killed off at some point, and I was kind of on the fence on should we really kill her off? Is that too? Yes, we should. We don't uh, need romance. Romance is for pussies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but still, it, it's kind of because you you don't want to look at a character. I always do this when I watch horror movies, and you look at a character and you go, okay, a boy meets girl. Girl is gonna get killed. We all know this. Or. Let's see who's the uh, who's the weaker one. If the guy's weaker, he lives. If the girl's weaker, she lives. Yeah, yeah. the strongest one is has to die. Yeah, and, and she and she was she was supposed to be a part of this uh, you know research uh, insurgents, uh, and she was really strong willed and such. And then uh, you know the uh, you know the cult ends up killing her or something. I can't really remember, but I thought I thought it was too obvious. And so we kind of went back and forth in that. And then Agustin went off and did the uh, Lovecraft uh, Kickstarter, and it sort of petered out. Yeah, and now now he has his uh, new newborn baby, and he's got his Kickstarter project that is successful. And I guess he's a busy guy. Yeah, and he's doing his uh, asylum game, uh, yeah. which is also going to be really really cool. Um, really looking forward to seeing that one. Um, Scott Murphy's in it. <laughs> oh, you're kidding! <laughs> no, he's, he's Scott Murphy's going to do a voice in in the asylum, and so is uh, pushing up roses. Oh, that's right! I remember. Was it Augustine himself mentioned that on Twitter? I think. I'm yep. excited about that. I back that. I can't wait to play that. And I'm 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 going to take the credit for uh, uh, pushing up Rose's being in Serena the game. Oh, I, really? I believe that was my suggestion. I'm not sure. You don't believe uh, it all I you am, want. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get her on uh, open crowdsource. Oh, we we really really want to. Um, 
I've, I've, I tried getting her on the Space Quest Historian podcast once, and uh, she was that was around the time when uh, one of her friends, a uh, fellow YouTuber named Your Warrior, has, had, had just committed suicide. Uh, so no. uh, probably not the best timing. No, not um, really. But, but she is she is friends with uh, Natalie, who was on our season finale. Oh, uh, cool. So there's there's an opening. That's great. Oh, oh, and she's also going to do the voice for Jess's game. Um, she's gonna she's gonna mm. do the narrator voice for uh, late last night. Oh, awesome! Yeah, glad to so, hear it. Uh, yeah. Okay, she, that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. You want you want to do one, hun? Um, do you have another one? I don't have another one, but I do remember the details of this one. That's like one line only. Which one? You're at the rave game. Oh, okay. Shall I talk about that one? You can, but I do remember. Uh, want me to start off on that one? Okay, sure. Okay, so Brian had this one idea for a game. He doesn't have the artistic, ta- he doesn't have the visual talent for it, but he does have the musical talent for it as well as the uh, story talent for it. Mm, well, thank you. He wanted to do a game that involved the exploration of the rave scene in Toronto, where he would uh, compose, and part of it would be composing a few different uh, sound uh, so, uh, songs that would be played throughout different scenes in the theme of rave music, like 90s rave music. And you, as a protagonist, would walk through and just meet different people who were representative of the types of people he met during the rave uh, his rave years. And as you went through, you would uh, pick up different pieces. You would carry a notebook with you, some other stuff like that. And he wanted to have an artist who would uh, draw a background and do all the visual stuff for him. And he would have, and he wanted to use Game Adventure Studios in some way to have these this protagonist move around and just move from one scene to another as you hear the different music and you just interact with these people. Game Adventure Studio is that like a adventure game studio? Yes. Yeah, cool. that's what I was mean. I awesome. didn't remember exactly, but yeah, Adventure Games did, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good synopsis. This is the game that I uh, fleshed out more than any other game that I didn't end up making. I have kind of a design document in process. Oh, and nice. I was sort of thinking about something kind of along the lines of Gone Home in terms of its structure. It's just something that you will start at the beginning and have like a variety of rooms available to you and then perhaps time will pass or something as you accomplish different milestones such as speaking to different people and finishing your conversation or um, or looking at a certain number of objects or something, something to make time pass. Um, okay, so is, is it just like a mood piece uh, or uh, yeah. you like uh, is, is there some sort of uh, you know quest involved? Is there a story to piece together? No, I was thinking it would be a mood piece, like you say, walking simulator slash like interactive museum sort of a thing. To kind hmm. of create an experience. Yeah, I wanted to kind of compose a narrative of what it would be like to get through one night at a Toronto rave based on different <laughs> stories that I've accumulated. And because of the content of those stories, I was very much thinking of uh, releasing such a game anonymously. Just so as not to uh, be uh, too much, too uh, incriminating, because I the do names have, have been changed to protect the innocent. Pretty no, well, are you kidding? None of them were the guilty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, nice. So I like I've thought very much about it. I even, uh, I even um, asked the uh, the chaps Ben and uh, and and Fran as we are <laughs> abbreviating the poor guy now. Fran, really, <laughs> Franny. On, 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 on the, Shut up, you. On the Blue Cup Tools podcast, kind of asking 
how do they recommend uh, releasing a game where you want to talk about things that you may not want to associate with your real name, just in case well, it's, it's not really anonymous now that you're talking about it. Yeah, it? I know. It's not. I'm, well, I'm, he hasn't gone into the details. That's why it's fine. Well, that's true, too. But I'm, I'm uh, relying on the, uh, uh, the on the small listenership of my podcast, perhaps. <laughs> anyway, I'm not all I'm not all that ashamed of it anyway. I've been I kind of more more uh, upfront about uh, my online persona, I suppose, and associating it with my real self more, but not entirely. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the game would be kind of like oh, I, too bad. I should have I should have linked to my design document here, so I had it at the ready. But basically, you start off in your bedroom, and in the 1990s, these are the days before the uh, internet, or sorry, before smartphones. And so people would kind of uh, trade some information on the internet, but primarily um, you would have been given a flyer by someone, either in like a rave-friendly store or by a friend or something that gives you a phone number that you call on the day of the event. There would be no address on the event, on the flyer usually. You would call the phone number within 24 hours of the event or within 12 hours, and they would tell you at the very last second where the event was going to be because it would be somewhere where there was no uh, permit and they had to hide it from the authorities until the zero hour. Hopefully they won't get busted. If at all, oh, then yeah. not till the end of the night. Um, these parties. Uh, one of my friends used to go to forest raves. Oh, uh, yeah. Or, uh, you know, of course, if, if anyone, you know, would show up, uh, you know, there would be like like uh, a couple of hundred people completely zoned out on, uh, you know, LSD and ecstasy and everything else under the sun. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Goa music would be pumping through vast speakers that for some reason would work in the wild outside. I don't know. Generators mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Generators. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that oh, sounds, cool idea. that does not sound unfamiliar to me. <laughs> so I, I had like various stories. Like there's, I'll tell I'll tell uh, the the least incriminating story, which is probably my favorite story anyway. Um, probably from your early favorite days. Yeah, I guess this was around 1997 or so. It would have been less than a year into my my raving career, we could say. 1997. I was barely in grade nine. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, just finishing high school around then. Um, so I uh, was at a rave, and I there was this really cute, bubbly girl that was kind of uh, prancing around and talking to various people, and she. Uh, kind of like eagerly uh, stood on her tiptoes sort of in front of me and asked me what my name was. And we had a nice little conversation, just introducing ourselves and asking if we were having a good time, what kind of music do you like and kind of friendly, superficial stuff, sort of like that. Uh, Rave. Yeah, I know. It was real deep stuff. And so um, she uh, pulled out a little box out of her her pockets. Not that little, I guess. It was like a Tupperware container uh, out of her backpack and asked me, would I like to have a necklace? And I said, oh, I, su- uh, I said, oh, that's okay. I don't really have any money to spare. So I, uh, uh, I'm good. And she said, oh, I'm not selling these. I, may- I spent a lot of time making all these. I bought all the materials, but I just want to give these away for free. Would you like one? And so I said, okay, sure, why not? And then so she uh, gave me this, uh, this like wooden beaded necklace and she gave me this like salute. And she's like, all right, have a good time. I got a lot of people to meet. Bye-bye. And she kind of uh, flitted away and I never saw her again. But uh, to this day, I, I ended up uh, – it was this tiny little thing. It was like too big to be a bracelet and too small to be a necklace. But uh, <laughs> I took out a couple of beads and I gave it to another friend of mine. And I told them the story and just said, remember the story when you, uh, when you look at this next. And I kept two of the beads and I stuck them in my pocket. And it's been like 18 or 19 years or something now, I guess. About – yeah, 17 or something years since that happened. And I still have those two beads in my pocket 
to this day. Gone through the wash a million times. Probably. Um, I doubt it, seeing as how it's in his winter jacket. My winter jacket, that's true. But just to remind me That jacket's never seen a washing machine. Probably not. It's, well, Canadian winter. That's the washing machine. (laughs) This is the machine of hard knocks. Well, I guess that's every washing machine. Anyway, I keep it in my pocket to remind me of how nice it is to uh, give something to someone without an expectation of having something in return. So that's nice. That little story like that and many others, those are the sorts of things that I was hoping to have the protagonist get through. And maybe it'll be mandatory that they have to experience those things, or maybe there'll be a big crowd of people and you just happen to click on one and talk to one, and maybe you get a story like that, but it's optional, just to give it either some replayability or some like modicum of, uh, of uh, free will and choice. But in the end, I just wanted it to be sort of like a, an interactive essay sort of a thing where you can understand what it's like to, to be a participant and to meet other people that are interested in it. Oh, so more like although you wouldn't have known it at the time. So more like the uh, beginner's guide where you kind of get through this narrative essay by experiencing different rooms. Kind of, except with no narrator. Mm -hmm. You yourself just explore at your own pace. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was sort of my idea. And I didn't know whether I wanted to do it with text or with graphics. I actually went so far as to go to a presentation by an Ontario government uh, art council. I remember this. This was hosted by Bento Miso. Yeah, that's right. And then then I didn't uh, Will O'Neill... Who did actual sunlight get funding from them? Uh, he was, I don't know if he got funding from them, but he was at this meeting as well. This is the first time I got, or the only time I got to meet him in person. Real nice guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Will O'Neill, who made, uh, who made actual, uh, actual Sunlight, which and you we did got a to p- watch let's play of. Charles do a, as a let's play. Yeah. As a sniffly let's play. It was very <laughs> sniffly, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah. But really? I love that game. So this was, a, this was just a meeting anyway about um, p- uh, people from our province who want to create a, a video game and how they can get uh, government funding if they give a proposal about what they're trying to accomplish and what they need. And the uh, people that you hire didn't have to be from the province as well, as long as you are someone in Toronto making this. But the kicker for me was that you had to make this, uh, you had to make the project for profit. And if I were to release this, I would want to do it for free. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, and also Will O'Neill uh, was going to be on Open Crowdsource Season 1. Uh, right. But had to back out. Uh, but he's be- he uh, he has been confirmed for season two. Oh, fantastic! He's a really funny guy and a very creative guy. I can't wait to to see that. I'll, I'll do my best to be there uh, for the live audience when that happens. Mm-hmm. And a pony. He's great. Tubas. <laughs> <laughs> and tubas and camels. Yeah. Oh, so the only other thing I'll say about this game uh, and what I wanted to do to create for it was, like Bianca mentioned, I did want to compose music for it, and because. Uh, raves have a lot to do with uh, DJs, DJ culture, and the, they're kind of like the uh, the people who set like the, the 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 tone and the I don't know, it's like the heartbeat of the yeah, and how they they're party. the ones who get people to come out and dance. If the DJ is more encouraging, inviting the people to come and dance because they get they get they get the people to f- face them and dance there. Yeah, that's true. To uh, just standing on the side or just you know kind of just standing basically. That's true. But basically, wherever you go in a rave, not everybody's dancing. Some people are sitting and conversing, but there's no escaping the music. You're always hearing the music, and it's kind of like the metronome of the of the night. Yeah, it's so I wanted to. I was hoping there because there are many different uh, genres of electronic music in the rave scene. What I was really hoping to do, which was too ambitious, I think, was to write two songs of each genre and to transition them like beat matched one into the other and then back again, so that it was sort of like listening to a little mini DJ set. And that would be the background while you were in a certain area. So I was thinking there would be like two main, two rooms, two main rooms uh, with DJs and each of them would be playing a different style of music. And so like at a certain point of night, you could walk from one room to the other and hear 
different genres of music in each of those rooms. And then like the clock would tick like two hours later or something. And then you could go back into those two rooms, but each of them would have a different genre of music, which would require me to switch, uh, switch between the uh, songs, like a, uh, like I kind of stuff, like, uh, like, like bleeding into each other. Yeah. Kind of oh, mixy kind of thing. So not, not from when you're walking from one room to the other, one room would oh, have like a different, yeah, yeah. When you're in one room. Yeah. It would be like a DJ set sort of where uh, the, the, the end of one song is beat matched and transitioned and faded over to the other song and then back oh. again. Oh, this reminds me. A friend of mine uh, recently uh, did his uh, master's in um, – um, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Uh, but anyway, he, uh, <laughs> he invented a, uh, a music system for, for games, which is kind of like iMuse. Uh, in, but instead of the uh, game uh, – in, instead of the music reacting to what's happening in the game, the game would react to what the music was doing. Uh, so, for instance, oh. he did this, uh, this uh, sort of zombie invasion game. Where whenever the uh, music would, uh, you know, it would, you know, it, it would be sort of random. But when the music would so, uh, sort of start to pick up, then the zombies would attack. And then when the music went into a lull, then they would, uh, you know, retreat and such. And oh. he demoed this for us, um, you know, as, as part of his project. Yeah. Uh, there, there were beers involved, obviously, uh, <laughs> but it was it was a sobering experience. No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that was a, maybe I should put you in touch with this guy because uh, he could, uh, you know. He, he, you know, doing a lot of you know audio work, and so he's a musician too. Hmm. Um, I've, I've been very privileged to uh, uh, do some uh, music with him as well. Most of it unreleased, un- unfortunately. Hmm. Um, he's he's got a great singing voice. He sounds like he should be in a boy band, even though he likes <laughs> industrial music. Um, so anyway, yeah, I probably should put you in touch with this guy. Well, in terms of mixing the music together, I think that's something that I could handle just because I I uh, was a hobbyist DJ for I don't know eight he years has, or so. He has equipment for it too. He's got. Uh, like a pseudo turned, he's got like the, the platter stuff. I don't know. Like, yeah, ooh, I have like ooh. a MIDI controller yeah, and all that. MIDI, it's, it wasn't it's really going to be a dynamic controllers. thing. One of them's pretty cool though. I don't much care for the music, but I do think this one piece of hardware is kind of nifty. It's got like, it instead of like actual physical knobs, you have flat surfaces like a touch screen almost, and you uh, and you uh, use the uh, and you turn and you uh, make your adjustments using these touch surfaces. That's right, similar to the Steam controller, I mm-hmm. guess. Right, oh, really cool. Oh, so it's it's just a, a you know a big Mega Mix MP3 playing instead of uh, yeah, basically you know, dy- dynamic switching because because the idea was that you could you know for replayability value, I guess uh, mm-hmm. the music would be different every time you played, and there'd be like you know thirty. Uh, you know, pieces of music in, on the soundtrack, and the game would dynamically mix the the songs together. It could be an idea. That's really neat. Okay. That reminds me a little a little bit. I'll just mention it very briefly of a game called Beat Hazard, which uh, and I, I spoke earlier about Audio Surf as well. It's not quite as dynamic as what you're talking about, but it takes um, you choose a song from your own library, and that dictates the intensity of the action on screen. Like in Beat Hazard, for example, that's like a top-down space shooting game. And when your music reaches a crescendo, your firepower gets more intense and faster and the number of enemies increases as well. And that sort of recedes as the, as the music gets a little more calm, which is really... And Audio Surf is a game, it's like a, an action puzzle game where you have to pick up tiles of various colors. And as the tiles cross the threshold where you're about to run into it with your little vehicle it's always exactly on the beat or uh, timed with like hi-hats or drums or a person's voice or the strum of a guitar or something. So oh, nice. it's really dynamic too. So that's very cool. I'll also, oh, yeah. by the way, uh, mention to you, uh, Trolls, you may be interested in a podcast called the Game Audio 
podcast where they talk about amazing, really high-tech kind of stuff about video game audio. It's kind of, uh, they use a lot of jargon and product names and stuff that I didn't recognize, but when they talk about things generically and about game music and game sound in general, it's very, very uh, illuminating and enlightening. Ooh, cool. Put that in the show notes. I will. Please. Oh, okay. Oh, um, here's an idea that you might not want to run with, but uh, if, if you did like dynamic mixing in the game, mm-hmm. maybe that could also affect uh, the NPCs in the game, again, for replayability value, because if a certain uh, song is on, then perhaps uh, one of the NPCs will say, oh, that's my favorite song, gotta go dance or something. So uh, the amount of stories you can pick up will change from each game. It'll be kind of random. Uh, and, and maybe the conversation would also, you know, how do you like this music? Oh, it sucks. Uh, and they, they will be in the kind of, you know, they will tell a different story uh, rather than if the song is one of those, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky ones, then they will go, oh, uh, the personality will be all bubbly and such, you know, because, you know, music affects people's moods, obviously. So. Oh, I love that idea. That's right in line with what Bianca was saying, too, about the mood. That's a really cool idea. I, I've also thought about other rave-related games, like where you're a DJ, and just like you say, you have to kind of find either songs or a combination of songs that sort of together uh, make mm. a combination of moods that will make different people happy at the same time. Yeah, like a, like a progress bar that just goes, reaching fever pitch. Yeah. Everybody's happy. Basically. <laughs> nice one. Good yeah. idea. Like oh, thank it. you. Um, we, we're, we're getting on into the extra innings here. Would you like to maybe say one more idea and then you'd be most welcome to return with some of your other stuff? I would love to. Um, okay, so the one I am going to pick is um, one that will never get made because it's a it would be a licensed game. Okay. Uh, but uh, I started out. This is actually kind of a nice bookend, I guess, because I started out with a thing that was obviously inspired by the thing, and um, now I'm going to end with a game that is completely the thing. It is the thing, the adventure game. We we love this uh, this movie too, by the way. Uh, it is one of my all-time favorite movies of all time. Totally. And, and uh, they released uh, The Thing, the computer game, which was absolute garbage, as far as I can tell. I, it, I haven't actually played it, but I've you know seen uh, the Spoonie one uh, review it, and it's, it just looks absolutely ass, and the story is laughable. Oh, but it had uh, like a suspicion meter sort of a thing, which play, which yeah, is a nice way which, to... Which was- gamify cool that whole thing yeah it, it was a cool idea but then you know Spoonie uh, showed that it had a couple of bugs in it like uh, like one guy just starts river dancing and you go over <laughs> and you test him and and then you know it turns out fine and then you back away for uh, like a like four feet and then brrr, he turns into the thing and says, oh my god the fucking thing's buggy um <laughs> Uh, and the whole thing's an escort mission, apparently. Uh, but mm. I had an idea. You could play uh, the thing, the adventure game, and it would be set on... Have, have you guys watched the uh, 2011 Thing prequel? No, we no. didn't. Is it worthwhile? Uh, well, it depends on your mileage. Uh, they <laughs> went into it with the best of intentions. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea. The idea of the movie is better than the execution, because, uh, you know, the studio kind of fucked it up. Sure. Um, always the studio. Anyway, uh, the original thing takes place on the American uh, uh, Arctic base, and uh, the uh, prequel takes place in the Norwegian Arctic base, and the ones that actually find the spaceship and the thing. Hmm. So you learn what happened before the thing, before, uh, you know, they uh, they dug up the um, uh, the thing and took it to the American base, and then all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mention in the uh, uh, 2011 prequel of a Russian Arctic base. Hmm. Uh, so there are apparently these three Arctic bases uh, within uh, close proximity. And uh, my idea was to base the adventure game on the Russian base concurrently with the events of the first movie. Hmm. Okay. So uh, so the thing has already broken loose. And it's um, 
and you know shit's uh, shit's going down and uh, the um uh the russians uh unbeknownst to the americans have uh, been called out to uh, the norwegian base when that shit was going down uh after everything just went horribly to shit uh, so they went in and investigated the uh, the Norwegian base, and uh, you know, uh, shit went down, and uh, someone got infected, and you go back to uh, the base, and uh, you've got a, you know a base commander, a, a doctor, you've got all these characters, um, and you are a American who has been sort of in in a, in a yeah it, it was the 80s so they were sort of trying to patch up the whole uh, you know american russian relations and such but right. you're not really welcome there and uh you weren't on the mission uh as far as uh, it's been a while since i wrote this document let me think no wait you were on the mission and then you were uh, confined to sickbay and you sort of you know a bomb went off so you know your memory's kind of shot of you know what actually happened um but long story short um there's multiple paths through the game and uh, anyone can be the thing and the story will sort of change accordingly to who is the thing. And it's, it's decided randomly at the start of the game, who's the thing. Ooh. And, and it could be, uh, my, my favorite part of all of this is that the game could decide that you are the thing. So you have uh, two options of how to play this. Either you can, uh, well, you could get caught obviously, but then it's game over. Uh, there are two branching paths that happen if you are the thing. Either you uh, go back to the spaceship, which they find in the 2011 prequel, uh, and, you know, sort of take off and, uh, you know, wreak havoc uh, on on the Earth. Or um, you can get in contact with, uh, I forget his name, the the American, the the, the doctor that they lock inside the tool shed. Oh, I don't Uh, remember. I know who you mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, the the guy who's building the UFO in the underground cave and stuff. Right. Uh, he, he is, of course, the thing, and you can sort of get in radio contact with him and then, uh, you know, team up with him and, uh, you know, cause havoc. Hmm. Or if you're a human, you have to sort of uncover who's the thing and prevent them from reaching the spaceship. So fun stuff. There's a, I, I did an entire design document for this and actually got Anatoly to look at it uh, just to make sure that all the Russian names weren't completely idiotic. <laughs> and, and, and of course, they were. Uh, oh come on! It couldn't have been that bad. Do you have an example of uh, one of your Russian names uh, before no. Anatoly got his uh, grubby paws all over it? <laughs> Ivan, you know what? You know what I'm going to <laughs> You know, gonna, the design document is actually um, uh, what, what's what's the name of, uh, word I'm looking for? It's it's open, like in uh, it, it's on oh. it's on Google Docs, but anyone with a link can access it. So I'm just going to send you the link. Oh, please! Uh, so everyone everyone can go read it. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, um, there why don't you put one, your, uh, show I, your I have, uh, stuff up as well for your raid game? That would be awesome. Oh, for the same oh, reason yeah. I didn't describe it. Oh, good point. <laughs> I, had, I had stories worked out for each of the main – I think there was like six main characters that could all be the thing, excluding you, uh, the, uh, you know, the actual player. Uh, there's one campaign that I never got around to uh, fleshing out. But all the other five uh, campaigns were all fleshed out, and uh, I, be, I even got a little flowchart that uh, you know people can look at to see the different different events. Wow! So I'm just going to send you that link, and uh, that was my final pitch. That's the cool. Thing, the adventure game. That somehow, is interesting. That is very interesting, and somehow, what comes to mind when you describe this is I don't know if they have these in Denmark, but they're somewhat popular in in uh, North America anyway, like murder mystery dinner theater thing. Where oh, yeah. everybody's like, you have dinner or whatever, and everyone gets a script, and everyone has to figure out who's the murderer. And one of the attendees is the murderer. 
And I can sort of picture like the thing dinner theater <laughs> where you have, I don't know. Like, your lights go off yet, and you're face down in your food with some tentacles coming out of your neck. Yeah, I guess so. You have to pretend that your head turns upside down into a spider or something. Twitch, twitch, twitch. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you mean like Antarctic astronaut food or something. <laughs> Military rations. Yum. <laughs> That's a, that, that's not a bad idea. Except, uh, how how would you uh, you just sit there in the table and go? I am now mutating. I am this horrible thing from beyond the stars. Look at my no. Body. You just kind of twitch. Open. You kind of twitch. Guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know, if people don't know, you actually your character is epileptic. Yeah. Or you're just twitching because you're the mutant. nice one okay i have just sent you the link to the design document and here is the link to the flowchart awesome oh thank you very much these are going right in the show notes that's uh, what a cool idea that is yeah literal open source uh design open source design yeah because i'm I'm never going to get around to doing a a a game based on a movie license there is no way that they're gonna let me do that except if i do it as a fan project and release it for free and uh i don't have the talents for this i really i mean I, I can do ags sort of uh you know uh, uh sort of ags um and i'm gonna give you a, a tour of the uh, basic yes, way at some point i would love uh, but, that but the idea of doing uh, you know branching plot and such i think that's a bit out of yeah. my scope unfortunately so i had to get someone to draw it i had to get someone to code it uh, and it's just it's, it's never going to happen but i would dearly dearly love to see a thing adventure game even if it wasn't mine mm-hmm. yeah well i guess that's that, that could be a good conclusion to our discussion the fact that as prevalent and accessible as video game creation tools are and even though we're really definitely in this golden age of indie development and people uh, who are empowered to create their own games, there's still room for improvement. I'm sure our lists of games that we had designed but wanted haven't yet created, uh, there, it would be a shorter list if it were that much easier for us to create these games with yeah. fewer obstacles. Oh, yeah. Well, not necessarily, because you do need motivation to do it. That's what you need more than anything, and that's for sure my, my biggest flaw as a creator. <laughs> just getting off my ass and oh, yeah, I have that's all the biggest the, uh, thing, right? Even oh. if you're a writer or any sort of artistic individual, writer, uh, artist, writer, visual artist, sculptor, anything like that, that requires uh, you've got the creative capacity to do it mentally, but you have the creative capacity to fulfill the other ten percent, which is the, the actual, the action of carrying out your uh, vision. That's right. Ideas are easy. That's the easiest part. Oh, by the way, uh, Bianca, you were asking about the Russian names. Uh, I'm I'm looking at them right now, and they're just too stupid. But, of course, uh, two of the characters uh, are named after Anatoly, the Dust Nostalgic. Uh, One of of them is named Anatoly and then a surname, and the other has a first name, and then the last name is Shaskin, which is uh, Anatoly's last name. Fantastic. Nice. And he was was okay with that, but the rest of the names are just fucking idiotic. (laughs) Uh, I did create a Russian name once. I'm like, I looked up how to do it. I'm like, okay, so I need first name. Some weird middle name, which is like the uh, father's last name or something, or like the father's first name. I forget what. And then the family last name. I'm like, what the hell? These Russians don't have their names rolled straight. <laughs> oh, and, and one one thing that was really uh, clear uh, in all of the campaigns during the thing adventure game is that um, at some point there's a blood test. Of course, they figure out the, how to test how to test for the uh, uh, thing is to do the blood test. And if you are the thing, you have to sabotage the test. And uh, if someone else is the thing, then of course they run off, and uh, you have to sort of track them down and such. Have a look at the flowchart. It's really confusing to look i'm looking at it right now and think how, how was i high when i wrote this and no i wasn't but i might as might as well have been 
Oh wow, taking a look at it now. Pretty neat. I, I'll read this. I'll, I'll definitely take a good look at this uh, mm. thoroughly. Pretty it interesting. Looks, it looks it looks pretty well organized. Not too bad. <laughs> no, it looks complicated. Try reading the design document. It gets worse from there. Sure. <laughs> it looks looks complicated and ambitious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit too ambitious for me to do on my own. Sadly. Yeah, the way it goes sometimes. Oh well. Well, did well, we? Was fun. Did we? Yeah, it was fun. Do we get a good uh, a good way through your list at least? Yeah, let's see. The ones I haven't gotten to yet are a uh, Space Quest fan game that Daniel Stacy and I were going to do called Bea Dies, <laughs> because Beatrice Weinkmeister dies, and we have to figure out how she does that. Mm. Uh, again, with Daniel, we wrote a uh, we actually wrote a screenplay, but it could very easily be turned into a game called Mysteria, which is about feral children trying to cl- uh, claw their way back into their mother's wombs. Lovely. There's yeah, that, that was the one I wanted to tell Bianca because uh, you know horror and everything. Anyway, uh, there's a haunted house simulator, which we sort of did on the Space Quest Historian podcast with uh, Pete Tolman and Serena uh, as a part of their uh, you know prior big mountain. Uh, uh, debacle, <laughs> uh, but the haunted house simulator uh, game that they were doing in season two of the Space Coast Historian podcast was actually a real idea I had for a game. Then there's uh, Bad Cup, which I'm still hoping to make with uh, uh, Stephen Alexander from IQ Adventures. Um, and then there's a there's then there's a children's game called Emily in Space, uh, <laughs> which is really cute. And then there's a superhero game called Dead Ends. Hmm. So there's still plenty of uh, ideas to go around. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And I and I had one idea recently. I haven't really thought about writing it out, but it's based on a story that my dad used to tell me when I was really young. And he would do this at the end, towards the end of fall, beginning of winter every year. And it happened for like ten. And it, he did it for me for about uh, five five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe ten years actually. Maybe uh, closer to like ten years because I started. The, no, let's see. He would. I started getting these stories when I was probably about three and I think I probably got my last one when I was like 11 or so. Okay. It's hmm. called, it was always called The Last Leaf and I was, I was thinking, how do I want to do this? I love that story and I was thinking, I can make my own version of this. Of course, I refer, I'd replace Alice and uh, Fred as, they were Blue Jays in this story, but I'd uh, make them human and find a way to uh, turn them from being birds into being humans and turn it and keep, still keeping The Last Leaf Everything is birds with you, isn't it? <laughs> no, I was going to make it humans, okay? The story was birds, okay? I always liked birds when I was a kid. So you're going to change it so that uh, some uh, some guy named Gus shits on his car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, uh, basically what happened... No, it was Alice and Ralph. Alice and Ralph were, my, were the birds. And Ralph was supposed to go find something. And I think it was some sort of food or something. And Alice stayed on the nest as all the other birds migrated south. Okay. And and so he t- and he would tell her, wait until I will be back before the last leaf falls. And this, every story ended just before the last leaf was actually supposed to fall off. But it was always told slightly differently every year. Oh. And I was nice. and I was thinking of I'd love to turn this into my own adventure game, but not necessarily using Blue Jays. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, it's cute. Mm-hmm. Huh, well. Oh shit! I'm I'm just looking through the design document here. There's also a way that you could uh, become the thing uh, by uh, you know dialogue options if you just trust people 
then you're not the thing, uh, or if you're if you're too trusting, then uh, the game might switch in favor of you being the thing, and then discard the choice that it had made originally. And oh my god, the complexity is just mind-boggling. I'm closing this thing. Nino, sorry. <laughs> I <laughs> like really that. that. I like the, I like com- I like a little extra complexity in the games. It makes it unpredictable. Yeah, I'll oh, make it as a player, but as a designer, it's scary. As a designer, it would be scary, but as a pl- as, but as a player, from a player's perspective, that makes it more interesting because you don't know what to expect. And removing predictability from a game helps make it a little more interesting because you want a bit of predictability, but you don't want it to be, okay, I know A, B, C, D, and I'm done. I want You kind of want to throw in a couple of red herrings and get the player to not to uh, realize that they can't predict the outcome entirely. Oh, yeah. I, I love games with branching paths. That's why I love Fate of Atlantis so much. Darth Helmut, you can go lick my nuts. Um, uh, he, 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 he keeps saying on Twitter, every time I bring it up, he goes, ah, that game is so padded. Fuck you. You live on the sun. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I love, I love and, and, and Pandora Directive is one of my favorite games as well because depending, I mean, the story shapes depending on how you converse with the NPCs. I mean, right. if you treat them like shit, then you're going to turn out as a bad guy. Uh, if you, if you uh, you know, treat them nice, then the game's going to give you a good ending and such. And there are all these different ways to get through the story. I, I love that. So um, Didn't Tesla Effect do something similar? Yes, they did. Uh, except it felt kind of rushed. I mean, I, I, as much praise as I heap on Tesla Effect, as I really think it is an amazing achievement in this day and age, um, they kind of some of the paths are kind of uh, uh, we kind of shoehorned this into the last minute uh, kind of affair. There's all this stuff about text being a reincarnation of some dude, and if you follow a certain path, you get to this uh, this underground uh, place where you can you know see flashbacks from his past and such, what? and it's never mentioned again. They don't do anything with it. That's uh, weird. So not all—he's like the only normal person in a city full of mutants, but he ends up being the reincarnation of someone. <laughs> oh, yeah. was his whole thing was that he was the straight man. And, yeah, it, exactly. And it, it kind of—it's it, sort of yeah. I can see where the idea is going, but you guys didn't really run with it, did you? So it's kind of unnecessary. Oh, it, it just throws more questions into the mix that aren't really answered uh, in the end. Yeah. I mean, enough with the. I mean, the spirit radio is is weird enough to begin with. Do we really have to throw reincarnation into this? I don't know. It sounds to me like the best way to enjoy this this game is to read the novelization, which Richard Cobbett seemed to enjoy. Oh, I definitely have to because I've read the Under Killing Moon novel and the Pandora Directive novel, uh, and they're really really good. Huh. Uh, the Pandora Directive uh, more so than Under Killing Moon, uh, but uh, then again, Under Killing Moon, the novel is the original design document. Really, uh, where uh, where once uh, Tex reaches the uh, Moon Child, spoiler for you who haven't completed it, hmm. uh, he actually actually walks around and uh, you know um, experiences more of the um, you know uh, space station because in the game you're just walking through abandoned corridors. You only have access to a very, very small part of the space station. But in the, in the novel, if you walked around the entire place, and creepy as shit. Hmm. I'll take a look for those. I don't know if they're still for sale or what. They're probably... They're, they're being reprinted because Tesla oh. Effect was uh, such a success. Oh, glad, <laughs> glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. That's good. <laughs> All right. Why don't we, why don't we uh, stick a, a stake through this uh, undead <laughs> Dracula's heart? Okay. And oh, a steak. Oh, I, th- I thought you meant like a like a well done steak, like a barbecue. So. Oh. Yeah, we'll wrap it up by asking Charles if he has anything to plug. Oh yeah. Besides um, his uh, cry hole. Must, must <laughs> resist obvious joke. I know. Uh, okay. Um, well, I'm I'm a burgeoning let's player on YouTube, and I'm awful at it. So please go check out that. And uh, please go check out Fred's and mine uh, podcast. That's not how you say it. 
the podcast by Fred and me, and also Garris. Um, Wouldn't it be Fred and, and I? Oh, fuck Sorry? off. Fuck off, Grammar Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see what else. Uh, don't play any of my games, because they all suck, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to the next game jam, uh, so um, I will have more horrors to unleash upon the world in oh. that regard. And, oh, I got some vacation time coming up, so uh, I might... I have this idea that I'm going to do a piece of music each day, because, you know, my wife still has to go to work, so I have to fill the time with something. So I'm going to see if I can't put together uh, a music album uh, in, in the, over the course of a week, because oh, I haven't nice. done music in very Do you play a time. real instrument, or just make a bunch of noise of pots and pans? He does both. That's basically all the music I do. <laughs> uh, but not guitar-based stuff, because that takes... Too, I'm, I'm terrible at tuning my guitar, and it only has two strings, and it sounds awful. Um... <laughs> Oh, you gonna so, do it in inertia tracker? Sorry, or impulse tracker? Oh no 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 no! I'm I'm gonna do this, uh, you know, with Ableton Live and uh, VSTs and all sorts of shit. But I'm gonna do a more of an ele- electronic thing. In the past, I've done. I've, I had this idea in my head that I was gonna be a rock musician, and now I have, I have this guitar with uh. two strings on it, and I can do power chords. Yay! Yay! I'm so metal. Uh, but <laughs> then it turns out I'm really terrible at playing the guitar. So I'm gonna move away from that and start doing more electronic stuff. Oh, that's Boo. awesome. Yay! Uh, should, hey, Bianca, you should, you should listen to my metal stuff. It's really horrible, and I'm a terrible. I can't even sing, so I just sit there and shout into the. Oh microphone. come on! You can't possibly be worse than my dad. He used to sing lullabies to me as well when I was a kid. He was awful. Were they like shouting metal lullabies? Because that wouldn't really work. <laughs> Shout, um, metal shouting. No, but he, <laughs> okay, no, really but he sang James yourself. Taylor, and that was pretty awful. If he sang Bob <laughs> yeah. Dylan, at least it would be you know in the same key. <laughs> right. The key of awful. The key of warble. <laughs> Okay, if you really want to torture yourself, go to alchemydk.bandcamp.com and uh, listen to some of the horrible shit there. The uh, Christmas album is oddly enough, or Christmas EP is oddly enough, the least offensive one I've done. Uh, so try that one. Will do. Oh, and I, I did, of course, very much enjoy your Space Quest Eight soundtrack. Seven. Seven. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, very much. I've linked that before. I'll, I'll dig it up and find it again. Oh, it's uh, I think it's just spacequest7.bandcamp.com, um, and that, well, that was done on that was done on, on a sound canvas MIDI uh, thing. And uh, props to uh, 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 Spikey, uh, who um, is a very good musician himself. He made he mixed that up so that it actually sounds worthwhile to listen to. Right on. Mm. Okay. Alistair Gillett is his real name. Mm. There you go. Well, well, thank you very very much for coming back, Joel. I want to have you again soon so that we can talk about uh, the soundtrack thing too. Oh yeah, please! I, I would love to be back again. Love the, love the show. It's uh, a lot better than anything I've ever done. Oh, <laughs> well, hardly. I, I enjoy all of your podcasts and your music and stuff too, and your games. I do love. <laughs> I, I I can't stop calling it. What's in the box now? It's much of the safe. That was so much fun on, on the show. You went, oh, I, I played Charles's game. I really like his writing and such. It's, I think it's called What's in the Box, dude. You didn't play <laughs> at all. I know that's what a good writer you are. It's, it's in the title. It's actually in the game. It's a safe. I There's know. It's a safe in the game. What's in the box? Donuts? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I spoiled it. Are they safe? <laughs> okay, actually, screw off. <laughs> yes, more or less. <laughs> So thank you very much for coming. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, I want to give a, a great big thanks to the Velour Fog for uh, brushing up against us and making us feel all tingly with his uh, letter. It's awesome to hear from uh, listeners. And if you want to get in touch with us, shut up, Gimme. If you want to get in touch with us, squarefm.demodulated.com on the web, squarefm at demodulated.com by email if you want to send us a letter or a voicemail. And on Twitter, we are squarewavesfm. Stop beeping, lady. Everyone's beeping oh, you can, here. You can follow me on Twitter if you want, SQ Historian. Yes. Uh, it's full of dirtiness. Do. 
Definitely do. I commend you all. <laughs> Excuse Dorian. <laughs> so with that, thank you very, very much for listening, folks. I think this ended up being a long one, but what the hell? We have nothing but the greatest contempt for you, and we don't care. Well, we also have the fact that we disconnected once, and Trolls went to do some business of his own. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, so for various... This, this is the various ways that we express that contempt. <laughs> We're full of excuses. Aren't yeah. we? Yeah. All right. Casting professionalism. That's right. Love you to pieces, everybody. Uh, have a very good week, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Chris, come back. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.